is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for another week here in the peg. Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. And uh, holy smokes, we have a packed show today coming out of the weekend. There is so much to get to. Um, two games for the Winnipeg Jets. Jets back at home tomorrow night against the Vegas Golden Knights, the struggling Vegas Golden Knights. Um, we'll talk about the games on the weekend. And a very unfortunate injury to Andrew Kopp. And Nikolai Ehlers emerging with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor on uh, a line that was absolutely dominant last night. Um, of course, we've got to get to uh, the NFL news. A certain Hall of Fame quarterback deciding, nah, not quite ready to retire. Some news in the Canadian Football League as it pertains to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A historic win at the Briar. And... Um, Golf fans, we still don't know who's winning the Players' Championship as they're doing the final round right now on Monday after weather absolutely um, created chaos out in Punta Vera, Florida earlier this weekend. Um, lots to get to. We'll bring Mike or Michael Remus in for a minute, in a moment, um, but I do want to thank all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, Little Brown Jug Canadian Club and our friends over at Boston Pizza. Uh, with so much coming out of the weekend, we are only going to have one guest today. So Jeff Hamilton's going to join us in about 35 minutes or so. Uh, we'll focus in on the Jets, look ahead to this next week and discuss everything that's going on in and around the National Hockey League. But uh, while we welcome everyone that's with us live on YouTube, Thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Also want to give a big shout out to everyone that's listening to us on the podcast feed. And don't forget, folks, if you do have the opportunity for you podcast listeners at some point to jump onto Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a nice little review, it certainly helps us spread the channel. Um, and of course, the YouTube viewers, make sure you've subscribed, hit that red subscribe button and uh, give us a like, a little thumbs up for the episode as well. All right, lots to get to. Let's dive right into it and welcome in Michael Remus. Remo, what's up? How, how was your weekend? How was your uh, how was your first plane ride in uh, forever? First plane ride in two years. First time I was in a, like a taxi or an Uber in two years. Uh, went to a wedding in Toronto. Pretty wild. Had a great weekend. I actually went to the Hockey Hall of Fame with, uh, I was there with Bar Downs, Jesse Pollock. And uh, there was a video I took of the Winnipeg Jet stuff on our TikTok page. So that's getting some likes there. But I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm all caught up on, uh, on the Jets games. I do want to say, though, I just want to give a tip for everyone. I'm walking through the airport. See all these people camped out in front of the plugs there, like sitting there. So degrading. Please do not be one of those people. Just go out and buy a, a portable battery charger. You can get one at anywhere, any Amazon or whatever store. You don't need to be camped out by an outlet. We've got technology where you can just be walking around and charging your phone at all times. Just wanted to get that out there. Interesting take. Interesting take. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess, yes, the uh, additional battery pack is handy for traveling. Need it. Need it. However, I mean, what, what's the percentage of people that have one of those things? 5%? 10%? Go out and get one. Go out and get I wear a fanny. I wear a fanny pack through the airport. Got my... <laughs> My wallet in there, my passport, Come my on. charger. Yeah, what do you mean? 
You are a fanny pack guy. No, I mean, listen, we've talked about the WST fanny pack that we really mm-hmm. should add to the uh, the merchandise collection. By the way, if you do want to get one of these sweet hats or a hoodie or whatnot, mm-hmm. go to winnipegsports.com, click on the store. And while you're there, by the way, at the website, just before I forget this, um, we'll get to the Ice and the Moose, who both had great weekends at home. Ice are playing tomorrow and Wednesday. And we do have tickets to give out for those. So if you do want to attend either one of those games, jump on over to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on contest, and uh, people can just simply kind of get on there, sign up, and um, maybe later on tonight we'll send out some tickets or earlier tomorrow for the Tuesday game and, of course, Wednesday as well. Busy hockey night tomorrow with the ice at home against Calgary and the Winnipeg Jets at home against the Vegas Golden Knights. Just quickly before we move on to this wedding, it's been a while since I've been at a wedding. Um, I'm interested. Uh, how was the theme? Was it like people hadn't been at one in five years and did they go mm. extra hard at it? Um, were you out on the dance floor later on at night with your tie wrapped around your <laughs> no. head and, um, you know, multiple sh- uh, buttons undone on your shirt, just absolutely letting her rip? Or was it, uh, was it a little more reserved as people uh, remember what it was like to, to party that uh, way? It felt like, it felt like, Weddings felt like in the past. Uh, so I was at one a couple of weeks ago, and this is another one that I was at. So no, well, I'm not going to be taking my tie off and tying it around my head, if that's what you're asking. I could see you being a great tie around your head guy in the, uh, no. around the last 25 pit. What did you guys eat there? Did uh, I, I, I mean, I, Sean Asor had the legendary McDonald's buffet at the end, Man, of, uh, I, at the end of it. And, any good... Uh, good thing like that bad i don't know if this is like catching on but yes at this wedding as well around like midnight they brought out a tray of mcdonald's cheeseburgers <laughs> fries and mcnuggets and also they had servers walk around with boston pizza not boston pizza uh yeah i'll say boston pizza it's still in the box and um you know, handing it out to everyone. Uh, this is one of the most positive developments in wedding culture I have uh, e- ever seen. Um, there's been a couple weddings over the course of time when people have thrown down with the cheeseburgers and McChickens at the end. And I mean, the looks on people's faces when they realize what's going on. I mean, you think these people won the lottery. So uh, I I really do hope that this does catch on going forward. But uh, you've been at two weddings recently and you're two for two with the late night McDonald's spread. So um, shout out to those people. And uh, hopefully, hopefully the guests took very good care of the new couples because they certainly took care of their guests very well. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I don't know if this is catching on or what, but uh, yes, great new developments. Thank you, everyone, for uh, (laughs) listening, listening through the show to everyone in chat. It's your boy Bruce says hustle would hundred percent put the social meat on Remus's yes. shoulder. I'm interested if anyone got a cheeseburger or like half a cheeseburger on the back of their jacket at the end of the night. No, there wasn't. They're no. too good. You had to eat those. I, I don't think you're, you're not I... wasting one on someone's shoulder. Yeah. I think that would be disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Fung. Yes. I'm with you. These are the trends that need to be started. Um, all right, let's get into it. I know we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking jets with Jeff Hamilton a little bit later on. Um, and Ringo, I guess we can go back and talk about the Islander game um, as well. But, you know, last night's game against St. Louis, um, this was a Jets team that, it, listen, it was not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. There were some breakdowns. I mean, that late goal in the second period seemed to be potentially a killer. But, you know, really from about the midway point of the second period 
I thought that the Jets sort of exerted themselves and took advantage of the fact that they had the extra day of rest after playing back-to-back Thursday, Friday, and the St. Louis Blues had had a tough, spirited game on Saturday night against the Nashville Predators and really took it to the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, And it was led by Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers. And you know, we had seen those players play together at times before, um, even in the last game when Dave Lowry started it and then put move, put Ehlers back with Cop uh, and Lowry. But that line last night was absolutely devastating. And um, they really carried the mail. I thought Pierre-Luc Dubois was the best player on the ice. Uh, but man, the more we see 80 with 81 and 27, I think we're taking a look into the future, a very exciting future for the Winnipeg Jets on what at least looks like right now, in my eyes, the top line on the hockey team. Yeah, I mean, the Jets are off today, uh, travel day coming coming home, or I probably traveled after the game. Either way, they're off. They'll be back tomorrow against Vegas. They are four points back of Vegas for the wild card spot, although Dallas has a couple games in, in hand, so watch out to Dallas. I think that's why the game before were so important, but, I mean, I agree. It was, you know, opportunity opened, uh, opened a spot there for Ehlers. Svechnikov taking the misconduct. Veselainen with the costly... Turnover put him in the doghouse, but I think more so what his three points in 51 games should put him in, in the doghouse. I don't care. I mean, I, I thought the over, I thought there's a lot of reaction about that turnover. Well, not great. I thought it was like a bang, bang play and nice defense, but if anything, put if anyone is putting him in the doghouse, it's his, you know, production three points in 51 games. But we did see that line. I mean, Nick, I, as you've said, he needs to be, you know, treated like a top player in the league on this team. He's been buried on the third line. He's been getting, you know, lower power play minutes. And in overtime, three on three, you'd think he'd, you know, he'd be one, one well, you'd want to put him on first and he'd be like the third rotation. You'd have to wait, you know, you have to wait a while. Well, you know, we've talked about how is this team doing so awful in OT and the shooter? Well, they te- appear to have taken notice, Huss. They did start overtime with those three Connor, Dubois, Ehlers. Well, they didn't get it done right away. They did get it done later on. With Ehlers, the sauce to Dubois, who one timed it in. And I mean, Connor scoring earlier, uh, Ehlers as well uh, in the game. Agreed. Dynamic line. I think that I'd like to see them stick together. Now you're going to have some mm-hmm. issues on um, depth with Cop out now. He's being evaluated today. We'll wait and see tomorrow, but I'm assuming he's going to be out. So I think that would, your depth definitely takes a hit now with the Cop injury. But I mean, that top line, I think, could go up against any top line in the league. Well, it, you know, for sure. And listen, I mean, I know, and, you know, we'll take a look at, you know, at ice time and, you know, some people will still say that, you know, Shifley Wheeler and Stastny is the top line and look at the way that, you know, the coach plays them. But it was pretty clear last night who Dave Lowry knew who was going for him. And I don't think he spent a lot of time figuring out who he was going to throw out first in overtime, including the fact that he was going to three forwards and putting out those guys that had been so dynamic, um, you know, throughout the game. I mean, Mark Shifley did get on the board. That was a really interesting play, actually. And I think Logan Stanley got singled out on the on the broadcast for what he brought to that particular play with the big shot going in, getting the rebound, getting it on net, and Mark Shifley hammering it in. Uh, but that was at the time that the Winnipeg Jets had really, really started to exert themselves, you know, and, and take advantage of a St. Louis team that seemed to you know, be struggling at keeping up the pace of uh, of a game considering they played played the the, the night before. Uh, but yeah, let's get to it. I mean, the Andrew Kopp injury, um, I don't know what you can say. He got absolutely smoked by Oscar Sundquist. I mean, he was in the uh, in the trolley tracks, as they say. 
and we didn't get a great view, a uh, great replay of it. Um, you know, it's hard to say whether the, uh, you know, the, the way that we were watching it on the television replay, uh, where the head was the head, the initial point to contact. There definitely was some contact with the head. Um, I haven't heard anything beyond that. It really didn't seem to be a big issue later on, although the Jets at that time were really stepping that up. It sort of did coincide with all of that. And then, um, you know, the minute that happened, we got to see more of Ehlers with Dubois and Connor, and they, in a lot of ways, took over the game. But um, what terrible timing. I mean, and as Blake Wheeler said afterward, I mean, first things first, you're concerned about your teammate, concerned about Andrew Kopp, who has had a concussion in the past. And, you know, it, it's certainly problematic for a guy in a contract year looking to earn himself uh, you know, some stability in a long-term deal next year in the National Hockey League. And then from a Jets standpoint, I mean, depending on what we hear tomorrow from head coach Dave Lowry, um, it could be, you know, really unfortunate because that's a guy that, you know, I think many people, myself included, expect to potentially be on the move next Monday at the trade deadline, considering where the Jets are in this playoff race. Um, despite the fact that I know it's four points, there's a lot of things that need to happen, and a lot of it is out of the Winnipeg Jets' control. Um, and if you don't think that Andrew Kopp's going to be a Winnipeg Jet next year, Many would say it makes a lot of sense with the team having very, very slight chances of both being the playoffs, never mind making a Stanley Cup run, um, that you do move him. But um, depending on what we hear from Dave Lowry tomorrow and Andrew Kopp's status, um, that could absolutely change things for Kevin Sheveldayoff as opposed to what's available to him and options to get some assets for expiring deals next Monday for the deadline. Yeah, a lot of thoughts going through your head when you see Andrew Kopp going down the tunnel and you saw the frustration as he threw his helmet. We know he was used to be a quarterback in in high school. Definitely showed it showed it there. Um, yeah, you definitely are concerned for him. You know, just coming back back from a concussion. You you know you hope that it's not serious, but we will we will see. And then you think, okay, well, this team's trying to get into the playoffs. You know, you're missing Andrew Kopp. and also, well, if they don't get into the playoffs, like who's going to want to? What assets now can you get for Andrew Kopp? And I'm sorry if that's a horrible thing to say. I'm thinking about how his injury is going to affect his trade deadline value. But I mean, this is pro sports. This is, I mean, you do have to take those into consideration. So um, I think that definitely horrible timing. Um, You know, I couldn't really get a read on the head. There wasn't a great, as you said, it wasn't a great camera angle. It seemed like two guys getting tangled up. Andrew Kopp, obviously frustrated. So I don't know. I'm just going to call up Nick from DQ, get public enemy number one, Oscar Sunquist on a, on yes. a cake, ruining, ruining, first of all, ruining the Jets playoff hopes, ruining, you know, Andrew Ladd's, or not Andrew Ladd, Andrew Kopp's possible next contract. I mean, who knows how long this injury is going to be or, the, you know, his trade value at the deadline. So Oscar Sunquist, you, know, you saw a bit of a response from, you know, from the Jets for sure, but um, it didn't, I don't think they got off their game trying to get revenge. No, and, and and you know what I mean? I didn't gather from listening to Schaefer Wheeler after the game that the Winnipeg Jets thought that it was, um, you know, really a necessarily a very dirty play. Um, and they certainly weren't running around looking for retribution. I think Nikolai Ehlers did actually have a great hit on Sunquist at one point in the third period. Um, but it was obvious. I mean, the Jets were there. They were trying to win that hockey game. And um, and, and, you know, Wheeler and the players, and I, I think I sort of agree with them. I know, I think it was Mike and Ken asked them, you know, if that seemed to be like a turning point, if they raised their level of play after Cop was injured. Um, 
but I think Blake Wheeler said it best when, you know, they had really, they got to that point where they were going at that point. And I think they could feel that the blues were a tired team and were on top of them uh, at that point. And I mean, cop had a couple of glorious opportunities just yes. before they hit um, to score a goal. So I'm not sure whether that was as much of a turning point or it just sort of happened around a time where the jets, um, you know, were becoming the better team in that hockey game. Um, but the bottom line is for the situation, for the player, for the team, for the general manager, it just absolutely sucks. And, um, you know, this will undoubtedly affect what is available to Kevin Sheveldayoff when it comes to the deadline next week. And um, not to mention the fact that there's a couple very important games this week for the Winnipeg Jets before we get to that point including a home game against the Knights who have been struggling and a big home game against the Boston Bruins on Friday uh, that, frankly, they need Andrew Kopp for. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, not a lot of extra forwards right now. I mean, Adam Brooks has been the lone healthy scratch right now. Presumably he could come back into the lineup. And, um, you know, we'll get to the Moose a little later on who had a nice weekend and are now just finished up that mega homestand that they were on they're on the road for the next couple of days out in Abbotsford, BC. So I know we haven't heard anything yet from the hockey club, and I don't think they would announce that a player like David Gustafson maybe hasn't wasn't on the trip with the club heading out there. Um, if he is recalled to the hockey club, I would imagine it would happen tomorrow, but that also would mean somebody going on IR or potentially waiving another player. Bottom line is this is uh, disastrous for uh, in a number of levels. Uh, but first and foremost, you really are concerned about Andrew Kopp because that was a, a heavy hit. And you mentioned him throwing the helmet when he came off the ice uh, and not returning to the game. Um, it did seem like he was, um, well, maybe he was worried that, you know, he had another concussion uh, and how problematic those can be for players in the NHL. Yeah, I, I agree. And you probably knew what it meant for him. I mean, this guy's been trying to get to UFA since he came into the league as quickly as possible. And, you know, you're having a great season and, you know, you, nothing that, you know, you did, but you have guys going after your, your head. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I did want to touch on moving on from Andrew Kopp. There was a bit of a goal. You know, we talked about it on Friday, joked about it, goalie controversy. And oh, Eric, yeah. Eric Comrie was excellent on Thursday. I think Connor Hellbuck, I mean, I, I think the rebound control, I mean, you look at all the goals, it hits him, and then there's an open uh, Islanders player there to tap it in. Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, I mean, they've got wide open nets after the first one. And I had wondered if they were going to go back to Eric Comrie. He had played in St. Louis, played well before. He seems to be feeling it. And you know, they did go with Connor Hellbuck. I have no, no problem either way. It's a really hard decision to make. But I do have to wonder, you know, we're going to see more of Eric Comrie. Um, Hellbuck, I have no, no doubt about, you know, his future ability as goalie. I have no doubt of the past. I think he's a top goalie. But, I mean, he's having a rough stretch here. Um, I have it written down. I think it was, like, Eight, I've lost it. Eight in a row with three plus goals. And look, I know, you know, the defense in front sometimes is not great, but I mean, if you're a great goalie, you can overcome that. And Eric Comrie certainly, you know, broke the street of streak of three plus goals against on Thursday. Now I know it was against the Devils, but he's coming in and he's playing well. Now I'm, I'm expecting Hellbuck tomorrow, but I think it, you know, we got to talk about it and something to keep an eye on is Hellbuck. I mean, he keeps let every game. It's three three plus goals and. I don't think that's a sustainable uh, recipe for success. Well, listen, uh, uh, as far as the Friday game goes against the Islanders, 
the Jets stunk in front of Connor Hellebuck. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that was that was a team playing on the second end of back-to-back nights that left a lot of the details to be desired, and especially defensively in front of the net. I mean, he was giving up goals on the second, third, and fourth chances. So, I mean, like Josh Morrissey said after the game, they believe in Connor Hellebuck. He's earned their trust over the years, and they needed to be better in that game. Now, I'm not saying anything close to we're getting the best of Connor Hellebuck right now. Um, even yesterday, I mean, you know, the uh, the goal that, you know, all the talk about the vessel line and giveaway, that's one that Connor probably feels that he should have. But he also made another a ton of big saves in that game. Um, and to be honest, some in the Islander game, too, to keep them in it. So, um, I, the one thing I'll say about Hellebuck, I think at the end of this year, I mean, he will go back and evaluate everything that happened, as will the team. And and maybe, like, I know we're talking about the decision for Tuesday or for last night as to, oh, are they going to go with Connor Hellebuck or, or Eric Comrie in the, in the very short-term ream? But to me, I think the team, now that they really do, I believe, have the confidence in Eric Comrie, I think if they did it all over again, they would look back and there would be some spots earlier in the season that they would have given Eric Comrie the start over Connor Hellebuck, despite the desperate situation they felt that they were in. And maybe that would get a little bit more out of their t- number one goalie right now. But uh, listen, I, 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 I expected Hellebuck to get the start last night. I thought that he was sort of hung out to dry by his teammates in the game against the uh, New York Islanders on Friday. And um, bottom line is he's stepped up, got two points when they needed it, and uh, they're going to need to continue to do very that. But so much of this conversation, in my opinion, is just what a pleasant surprise Eric Comrie's been. Because as we said, we were doing a large buffet of crow for many people that said that Eric Comrie was going to be the guy that would sink the Jets season. It has been anything but that so far, and he has um, done everything that the team's asked of him so far this season and uh, man it's it, it's funny i'm not sure we were there we would get to the point at any point this year where we'd have fans going we need more eric comrie but that's exactly where we are and that's a credit to him and how he's played this season yeah you're, you're absolutely right Huss. and i, I don't think you're saying playing every game but it just seemed like they would never unless it was a back-to-back situation he wasn't getting in the game and i think he's you know able to play more now this is a big game Tomorrow against Vegas, I mean, you're going to want to go with your number one guy, but I thought, you know, maybe give, give Hellbuck a break. But I agree. I mean, you look at all those goals, um, you know, there's Islanders players all alone in front, just uh, having their, you know, Anders Lee took like a couple seconds there to cradle the puck, get it on his forehand and put a roof over sprawling Hellbuck. So um, I don't know. I don't think he was given much help. And I think that was kind of disappointing as well, as you thought, okay, you know, they have a chance here now to go on a three-game win streak, which they haven't done, and really had a flat performance in a back-to-back uh, against the Islanders. I know it's a back-to-back. You're not exactly traveling between, what, Long Island yeah, and, there is and no New Jersey. Travel. And the well, Islanders and, and were also on a back-to-back, I, I too. I was just about to yeah. say, I was just about to say, I mean, both teams were in the same situation that night. Yes. And... The Islanders are also a team that is basically out of it right now. I mean, I think the Jets have a much more realistic, well, not that either is realistic, but chance of making it into the playoffs or at least getting into those games. The Islanders looked like, you know, a team that was already in the playoffs. I mean, they smoked Sivas, what was it, 6 nothing the night yep. before. I mean, and they came out and they did not look like a team that had, um, you know, that had grinded a, a game out that night before. And 
listen, I was really impressed with the way that the Islanders played. And I think this gets back to Barry Trotz with, I mean, whatever happened earlier in the season with the COVID and the 13 game road trip and everything that sort of conspired to put them, them so far back. Um, you know, it was, it was a very impressive performance from that team, the way that they grinded for a full 60 minutes and, um, and they were just clearly better than the Winnipeg Jets on, on Friday night. So, um, you know, you, you, you learn from that. Your bottom line is you come out and did what you had to do against St. Louis yesterday. And, you know, listen, we'll take a, a look at the, uh, at where we're at. I also want to talk about the power play in a second, but just first up, you want to give a big shout out and thanks to our friends over at F apparel for their great support of Winnipeg sports talk, the best custom suits for men from a Winnipeg owned company at downtown at 190 Smith street. And, uh, much more than just suits, actually a full line of custom clothing for any occasion including chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great, and F's custom-made suits start at just $400. If you've got a wedding coming up this summer, make sure you talk to the gang over at F Apparel. They'll hook you up with a 15% discount for your wedding party when you buy your suits from F. And if you've got a high school graduate that's graduating, show their valid high school ID. They'll get a free shirt and tie with any suit purchase. So you can get the shirt, tie, and suit starting at just $400. F Apparel, that's F-E-P-H Apparel.com or pop down and see Andrew and the guys down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Um, of course, a big thank you to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market who are featuring the greatest prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And, you know, they've got great options when it comes to if you're doing a vegan diet or, um, you know, looking to be a little bit more health conscious. But they've also got some amazingly delicious lunch options at their grab-and-go deli featuring Vitamarket salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And, hey, if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand-new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online and schedule a delivery with Instacart. Seven Winnipeg locations for Vita Health Fresh Market including the newest store in Linden Ridge. You can check them out online as well with that newly relaunched website at myvita.ca. And uh, man, I'm uh, working the Culligan man hard right now. I'm really trying to supplement the odd diet Pepsi with a heck of a lot of water. It is great for you. It can help you lose weight and you'll feel a heck of a lot better. Uh, and when you're thinking water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, you think Culligan as they've been the leaders, family owned and doing it for 65 years and counting. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers and whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. Give Culligan a call at 204-694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right, Remo, we'll get to the standings in just a second. But one other thing that came out of last night's game that was incredibly frustrating, certainly for fans watching the game, and I would imagine for Dave Lowry, uh, was the power play, especially the five-on-three power play. And this is not the first time where we've seen the Winnipeg Jets get a glorious opportunity early in a game with a power play and then an additional minor called where they have not done very much with it. And it seems inevitable each and every time that you either score on those 
or you don't, and very quickly you're killing a penalty on the other way, and of course it's going into the net. And it happened again last night. That one minute with the five-on-three power play was as frustrating a minute of hockey to watch uh, as we've seen in a long time. And Paul Stastny didn't have a lot of answers. At the, uh, It was kind of a funny question from Dennis, asking if they were maybe getting a little bit too cute. And he said he doesn't really have the answers for that, but it's quite obvious that they need to do, to shake things up and do something a little differently because those opportunities are so crucial. And we've talked about it before. If you don't make anything of those chances, it inevitably ends up, you're killing penalties on the other side, and it absolutely sucks all the momentum out of the winds of your sails. And it happened last night in the first period against the St. Louis Blues. Um, there's a lot of talented players on this team. They have to be better at generating legitimate scoring chances and getting pucks on net in five-on-three especially situations, but I would say five-on-four as well. And um, it was good that they were able to come back and win that game because they would have been ruining that opportunity or lack thereof doing anything with it in the first period last night if they didn't come away with two points. Yeah, well said. We've seen that so many times this year. If the Jets have a key five-on-three or even a four-on-three, um, it just seems they just pass their pass around the perimeter. Other teams are happy to let them, and they keep looking for that, you know, that one shot, the the one shot you need, you know, with all these great shooters on the team. If it's there, you know, it's going in. But I mean, opening that up has become so difficult this year. The other teams know what they're looking for. If it's Shifley on the dot or Connor on the dot, and you know, we talk about. I don't want to bring up Buffalo because, but I mean, there since you know he's gone, they don't really have that big booming shot from the point but i agree you got to find some alternate way i don't know if it's alternate personnel i see people mentioning in chat you know nikolai Ehler is not exactly getting um some of that time but that is a guy you know when he's on goals goals happen and and he's not afraid to shoot the puck either so i don't know if you were looking to change up personnel but i mean there's been games here where fans are getting restless sick and tired of watching oh. these guys just pass the puck around and <laughs> Like you can't even score if you if you don't shoot the puck. So I agree that I think there's definitely some frustration. I, I tried to look up five on three stats. They're not available. I'm trying to like figure figure it out here. So I, if anyone has those, those let me know. But it's not they're hard to find. You know, um, you know, there's I'm just seeing these the now that we've brought this up. I mean, BA, yeah. <laughs> I'm triggered. Huh? Stop, God, that power play is all too much of the same. Trying to make the perfect play, just shoot. Um. There is another one here. Oh, the Barflies won a bet saying the Jets would not get a shot on goal on the five on three. Well, what was that paying? <laughs> nicely done. But to your point, Remo, about Nikolai Ehlers, um, listen, he's back now. He's played five games. We saw the difference that he made along with that line. We've seen it, you know, in so many different situations. And listen, I know that he has sort of been the catalyst of that second unit, but if I'm Dave Lowry right now, I'm looking at their situation and looking ahead to the future as well. I don't know. I think the time is right. I think maybe a personnel shakeup on that number one unit, if it is, we're going to call it the number one unit, um, is certainly should be on the table. And the bottom line is, I think you need to find a way to get Nikolai Ehlers into that number one unit and give him more opportunity on the power play. Because... Right now, and I know the guys have done to, you know a lot of positive things for a long time, and Blake Wheeler's been a great setup man, but, I mean, 
it's so inconsistent. And when they do end up getting into the spot where they're trying to find the perfect play, um, you know, it can really, really suck the life out of the team. And uh, listen, I think we saw the benefits of having Nikolai Ehlers in a more front and center role with some better players last night. Now, no offense to what he'd been, been doing with Cop and Lowry because I would actually had really liked it. But they need to get more Nikolai Ehlers. And uh, I think the power play goes for that as well. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that was one of the things, um, you know, coming into the year, you want to see Nikolai Ehlers being given more opportunity. Now, he came back from the injury. That, you know, I agree. That line with Coppa and Lowry was good and gave them more depth. But, I mean, you saw, you know, the chemistry and how well he worked playing with two skilled guys like Dubois and Connor. I know he's played with Shafley and Wheeler at times in the past, but, I mean, he really doesn't get, you know, he's, he's kind of overlooked in terms of getting power play ice time or, you know, getting out on three-on-three overtime where you think that's a player who would be the most effective. So, I... You know, I think the team definitely realized that. You see, you know, he got bumped up. You know, they're first on uh, the overtime of the three forwards. So, but I think a lot of fans here in the chat want to see them turn the page and elevate Nikolai Ehlers because, you know, his rate stats in terms of uh, power play when he's on the ice, I mean, they were more efficient at scoring uh, the second unit last year than the first unit. And he just hasn't, you know, no matter what he does, he hasn't seemed to get rewarded. Uh, you look, I know they only had, what, yeah, two power plays yesterday. I mean, the first unit was on for like, you know, two minutes. The other one got, got 40 seconds. So uh, I, I don't think you can take anything of that from yesterday. But, I mean, it is frustrating watching these guys pass the puck around, look for that perfect play. And if it's not there, um, they seem to have no other, no other plan. Yeah, and listen, I, I think that the Svechnikov 2-10 and 10 yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, might be... that He might have just basically taken a dumb penalty that then took him off of that line for a long time. I mean, I don't know how you could watch that game last night and not feel like you needed to keep those guys together. And it's interesting comparing the ice time from the two games. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. The, for, so for the Islander game, Kyle Connor was 1834. Dubois was 1516. Ehlers was 1455. Now they had no power play time. So, I mean, you know, you do have some shorthanded time in there that Connor and Cop and Adam Lowry had that lifted up their their, their numbers. Um, but as far as, I mean, all the other guys that were just playing at five on five, well, Mark Shifley was 21-43. Blake Wheeler was 19-47. Um, you know, that's a considerably more than the likes of Dubois and Ehlers. And then, as I said, Connor had the additional 242 killing penalties. You go to last night's game. And again, there was, you know, there was some power play time. Kyle Connor, 24-36. Pierre-Luc Dubois, 21-58. And Nikolai Ehlers, 18-07. Now, Ehlers had 41 seconds of power play time. Those guys were both around 218 and 221. Um, and then you look at Mark Shifley. Shifley was at 23-42 with 220 on the power play. And Blake Wheeler was at 22-23. Um, I wouldn't all be surprised tomorrow if uh, Dave Lowry started those three at the start of the game. Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers. Um, I certainly would at minimum hope to see, you know, a more even ice time distribution between those top two lines. And I don't really know the argument against it right now, Reem, because the bottom line is that those are the guys that are going right now for the Winnipeg Jets. Dubois has been the most consistent player 
um, the most engaged player all season long. You know you want to get more out of Nikolai Ehlers. And Kyle Connor, when it comes to consistency and goal scoring and offensive production, has been the guy all year long. We know there's a legacy of Shifley and Wheeler playing for a long time, and bottom line is they're going to need those guys to play, especially with Andrew Kopp potentially out for the next little while. But I don't know. I couldn't help but thinking that we are seeing right in front of our eyes right now a changing of the guard over the course of this season. And I don't know if there's a better example than what we saw last night. Yeah, and I I agree with you, and I think we've been saying that since the beginning, but um, the team is kind of slow to realize and make that transition to be like, hey, you know, this is Pierre-Luc Dubois' team. He's emerged as a leader. You like his physical play. You like what he brings. Nick Ehlers, you know, the kind of dynamic play, speed, you know, offensive ability. Um, I mean, he's, what, second on the team in plus-minus Ehlers. I know there's detractors uh, plus-minus, but you you got Chafley and Wheeler. (laughs) down there at the bottom um the plus minus the plus minus numbers tell you a lot about what's happened this year on the winnipeg so and i think shafi wheeler great offensive players but we also know that they give up a lot on five and five and can you win you know they were also at the bottom of jay fresh's what uh rankings for defensive forwards like Mm -hmm. can you win games consistently when your top players uh, on you know top forwards are not great defensively and i think you know if you balance out the ice time a bit more, you can mitigate that by giving some more time to Nikolai Ehlers. And we saw what he can do finally. You know, mm-hmm. I'm listening to Kenny and Randy like, oh, they had such good chemistry, uh, Dubois, Connor, and Ehlers. Well, of course, they have good chemistry. They're great players. They're top players on the team. Put them together, good stuff is going to happen. So, um, and I saw a comment from, you know, the bar dot from, who was it, Barflies, that, you know, Ehlers hasn't really found consistent line mates. Well, they haven't really given him any opportunities. I mean, he's, been well, listen, over, Maurice, overlooked all the time. Maurice last year, I mean, mm-hmm. I think he envisioned what we're seeing right now. Now, it, maybe it didn't include Kyle Connor because mm-hmm. that, that was the time where it was Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, and those were his guys. But, you know, bringing in Pat uh, in Dubois and the Patrick Liney deal, I think that the, the thought all along would be to have either Dubois play a 1B to Shifley's 1A and to connect with Nikolai Ehlers. And, I mean, this goes back to the struggles of Pierre-Luc Dubois in that last season. It just never really clicked. Um, you know, and at times they played Nikolai Ehlers with Mark Shifley this season as well. And sometimes they look great and others, you know, not so much. But I see in Nikolai Ehlers now a guy that is pretty consistently out there, dangerous, engaged. Pierre-Luc Dubois absolutely has been that guy. And when you think about what Dubois and Connor have done together and add Ehlers into the mix, um, you know, it's a pretty tantalizing proposition to see those guys play together consistently going forward through this season and into next year. And listen, there's been a lot of talk about Mark Shifley's future and what the big changes to the core may, might be. Um, I'll tell you what, I think most Jet fans can get behind the notion of Dubois with Connor and Ehlers as being not just a top line, but the top line for the Winnipeg Jets. And on paper, I'd put those three players up against uh, most of the lines in the National Hockey League. I agree. Let's give them a shot. Let's see them go. I mean, they produced, they all scored yesterday. I do wonder, though, you know, what it means for the rest of the. I did like the balance they have, but I mean, they, you know, when they had injuries before, they went pretty heavy top six, like when Ehlers. Ehlers was out. So sure, let's rock it. And I am curious who the call-up is going to be. Is Adam Brooks going to get in? Are we going to see the Gus bus? He seems to be a good fit in. Uh, you know, if Andrew Kopp 
were to be out, but I figured we'll get that alert from Winnipeg Jets PR on Twitter uh, tomorrow morning. So we will see, but I think that's something to watch out for. But yeah, let's run those guys, let them take over the spot as the top line. Um, I want, I'd like to see that. I mean, look, the season is you're kind of hanging on by a thread here. Look at Money Puck, eight percent. You know, you got to try. It hasn't. I don't think it's been the success so far this season. You're not where you thought you would be, but try different things. Like you know, having you know, if you're not winning in overtime, yeah, try three forwards on. You know, who are your three most skilled guys? And play them, and so we'll see what well, happens. We all tomorrow. noticed who went out first last night too, and it was mm. those three guys yep. with the way they'd be playing. You know, we'll talk about all that with Hamilton coming up. I mean, just I, I mentioned we would hit the quick standings because this is all going to be well, much of our conversation will relate to this. I mean, the Jets, uh, the Jets are getting up to uh, are sixty four points now through sixty games, so they are one point back of the Vancouver Canucks, who have sixty five and sixty. The Vegas Golden Knights are in the final playoff spot with 68 points in 61 games. Um, what the issue, though, is, is the Dallas Stars. And the Dallas Stars are in, or have 67 points, but have three games in hand right now, Reem. So, um, you know what? It's, uh, it, it, it looks really close, but the big, big issue, of course, is the, uh, is the Dallas Stars. So we'll get to all that with Jeff Hamilton coming up and coming up in just a second. Um, you know, before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Donnie and the guys have been keeping Winnipeg and Manitoba running throughout this insane weekend that we've had. If you need batteries for anything, Manitoba Batteries where you should start over at 1026 Logan Avenue, a great local company with awesome people working there at the shop. Um, but the bottom line is they've got great prices too. 100 bucks uh, for most makes and models with core exchange and if you need it delivered to you they'll get it to you anywhere citywide for 115 bucks same day if you order by 1 30 p.m and for those of you i did see a lot of people out on the lake this weekend doing a little ice fishing get you those flasher batteries to keep you catching fish for the rest of the season lots of exciting things coming up in the summer for manitoba battery but in the meantime visit them at 1026 logan avenue give them a call at 783-8787 or find them online at manitobabattery.com. Well, our friends at Royal Sports are ready for spring. Of course, the new Blue Jays season is upon us. So you Jays fans can head on down and get your Jays merch now that the ban on baseball and talking about it is over. Uh, not to mention all that great Blue Bomber gear, Jets gear, thousands of pieces, including lots of exclusive merchandise. Uh, and they have been the... Uh, undisputed heavyweight champs of all things hockey for over 35 years in Winnipeg. Great snowboard selection if you're hitting the hill in and around uh, spring break, fitness, and so much more, and not to mention all the cool stuff on the King Skate Snow and Surfside. Pop down and see them. Royal Sports, the originals in Winnipeg, 750 Pembina Highway. And uh, you can hit them up online. At, follow them at Royal Sports Pembina on Instagram for their latest merchandise drops and sales. And uh, our not Autocorp, of course, has been with us since day number one. Now we're into year two. We'll always be appreciative, Trevor, believing in this from day number one. Um, but we've also worked with them for a while. And that's why I know how many Winnipeggers have uh, gotten into the car of their dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team. Why not get down there to Waverly and McGilvery and see everything they've got for you and talk to an expert at Not. If there's a particular kind of car that you're looking for, they'll help source it, get it here for you at the best possible price 
here to Winnipeg. Not Autocorp, they're at Waverly and McGillivray, and you can check them online at not.ca. All right, lots to get to uh, on the Winnipeg Jets and more with our good friend Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, how was the weekend? Couple days off? You do anything fun or what? Yeah, just, uh, you know, was able to. I, I feel like on my first day off, I always just kind of sleep. Um, and then, you know, I was managed to able to do a few different things, was in and around town, went to the Forks, uh, you know, checked out some of the beautiful weather in Winnipeg. I think it was the last crap, few crappy days. There's lots of snow this, this, uh, this weekend, but uh, looking at the long-term forecast, uh, things are looking up. I think you're at the Forks. Did you put the blades on and they get down on the river? No, but I did do that earlier this year. Um, I, uh, I had done the, the path, the trail for the first time in a few years. It's amazing. I think it's still kind of open, but anyone who hasn't done that, um, I, I advise you to do it soon, sooner than later, because I think those, those pieces of the trail, if they haven't been closed, are slowly wrapping up here. And as we get into the you know, plus one, plus twos, I don't think it's going to be around much longer. But it was an awesome experience. Didn't do that. Just stayed inside, common, um, awesome time. Yeah, I can tell you that the uh, the Assiniboine part is closed right now, unfortunately. I guess there was something that happened, and the water went way up, and they were worried about the... Um, because it's not like it's melted. I mean, my God, this river probably has about five feet of ice in it right now, uh, mm -hmm. but they closed it earlier. But yes, your opportunities to get on the river shrinking by the day. Um, hey, listen, before we get to the Jets, um, and because I think that's going to dominate our conversation... Um, one of the bits that Remus and I didn't get to in the open, just as we were talking about the game in the weekend, is bombers related. Um, the uh, the luchador himself, Sergio Castillo, inking a deal with the Edmonton Elks. Um, I can't say that I'm surprised. I think that if he was going to be back, it probably would have happened already. But it seemed like a lot of bomber fans were going, "Wait a second, what? He's not back? I mean, where's the what's the kicking situation for the bombers as it stands right now?" Uh, well, yeah, so Sergio Castillo signed with Edmonton. Not surprising, not shocking, any of that stuff. Look, the, the Bombers are, are you know, with, with the upgrades they've done, I mean, a lot of people are asking the question, how the hell are they staying under the salary cap with all these, you know, these signings? I mean, they have lost a handful of guys. I wouldn't even say a handful, a, a couple guys, you know, some important contributors, you know, obviously, you know, guys like Andrew Harris come to mind, Kenny Lawler, you know, Stowe Richardson. I mean, but a lot of those guys have re-signed um, and whether they've been modest or significant have come at, you know, have come with raises, a majority of them. I don't think anyone took a, took a pay cut uh, after winning the, you know, the second of back-to-back uh, great cups. So, I mean, that's just, that's kind of just setting the scene for, for the kicking game and that, you know, Sergio Castillo was a late pickup. We all know what happened with, with the kicking situation in Bomberland last year. They went through a number of different, you know, foots, if you will, um, until they found Sergio Castillo. And he was obviously a, a, a major impact in the, in the great cup game. Um, and I, I, you know, and that just led to more people being like, oh, great. Well, we have our kicking situation figured out here in Winnipeg. Surely just sign the guy. Well, Sergio Castillo is not taking a pay cut and the Bombers aren't uh, allocating, you know, they haven't allocated their money to, uh, you know, to, to the kicking position. And, and I think that's, I think you have the proof in the pudding last season. They didn't need to. I mean, they struggled throughout much of the season, you know, missing, missing, you know, leaving points off the board from missed field goals or not attempting field goals if they were too long. Um, and then they kind of figured it out leading to the playoffs and signed Castillo. As far as where we, where we stand, I think you're looking at a combination of what you saw last year, Mark Leggio and Ali Murtada. I know the Bombers like Ali Murtada. I think they believe in him. 
you know, I think there's there's certainly an argument to be made given his performance last season that maybe he's not ready. But you also have to understand he came in, you know, partway through the season. You know, things are different with venues and all these things. I'm not I'm not trying to create the excuses or paint a picture that somehow he's going to be, you know, Sergio Castillo isn't a better option. But I think where the Bombers are as far as, you know, their salary cap and their, their money situation, they are comfortable going into, you know, a year with the similar faces in Matar- Matar- Tarda, sorry, and, uh, and, and Mark Leggio. And so, you know, I think they're just going to hope they're another year older, another year more experienced, and maybe those results will will improve but I think they're more focused in other areas of the uh, of the roster and I think when you look at last season you know I think you can give them a bit of slack on that given who they've signed and how they handled it last year well you know I mean I totally understood why they went and got Castillo I mean the opportunity was there to come in on a short term finish up the season play through the playoffs and give them a little bit more reliable kicking but it was interesting to see the way they continued to stay with Murtada and the one mm-hmm. thing that I thought he seemed to have a good leg. He seemed to kick it straight. I don't know whether it was just getting used to the Canadian football field or lining it up, but he always seemed to be, when he was missing, just a little bit wide. They they seemed to have the confidence that he could turn that around. And again, at the beginning of the year, they thought Leggio could potentially do the job. So I'm sort of with you. This does seem to be a very similar situation to last year where they'll see if one of those guys can sort of take the job and grab it. And if not... Kyle Walters will have another thing to on his to-do list to improve in mid-season, but that's the way things will go when they get to camp with those two dudes. Well, that's exactly it. I think, you know, Ali Murtada, I think they like him as a human being, which we know with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is an important aspect for players. Obviously, skill is super important, particularly at a kicking position. So I think to your point, uh, Haas, I think he had, I think they believe he has the mechanics. He has the ability, he has the, you know, the, the, the reach, if you will, like he wasn't falling, you know, five, 10, 15 yards short in some case, like Tyler Capino was for his brief stint with, with, uh, with the Bombers. I think he kind of knew what you had there. Whereas I think there still is potential for Murtada to come in and, and impress or at least do the job. And as we've seen, I mean, you know, it's important to have a good kicking game, and it certainly was the case for the Bombers under Justin Medlock where they trot him out pretty much for any opportunity or any kick. Um, it's a bit different, but, you know, you can certainly make the argument that the Bombers are a lot more, you know, we're dominant, dominant on both sides of the ball in 2021, and that makes up for, you know, maybe a, you know, a not-as-sure foot in the, in the kicking game. But again, I mean, I don't think the Bombers are necessarily going into this season holding their breath in the kicking department i think they're hoping or you know relying in this case or at least early on hanging into training camp um that mark leggio can continue to improve as a punter and and maybe take over the kicking you know field goal kicking if mortada isn't able to prove himself or you know go with the two guy operation and you know probably some pretty easy contracts for those guys as far as you know money goes and uh and again you know it sounds a bit desperate i don't think it's as desperate as it sounds but you're kind of hoping for the best with the guys that you had last season yeah well it worked out okay last season i think they've got their plan we'll go to it um obviously we'll have lots of bomber talk uh with jeff as we get closer to training camp in the season but right now uh it's all about the winnipeg jets in town and you know it has been you know i think if you look back at last week and say they have four games they won three lost one probably take that although every regulation loss right now is really really um, you know, puts them a little bit further away from the end goal. And even with the three and one record, still not even at a 10% chance of making the playoffs as opposed to you sort of know where this team is at. That being said, 
Um, we did see an interesting development last night of Ehlers getting back on that line with Dubois and Connor. And um, I mean, they were showstoppers last night. I mean, they basically took the team on their shoulders and went out and won that game, a game that they absolutely had to have against a pretty tar- darn good St. Louis Blues squad. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people, I understood kind of some of the calls when Nikolai Ehlers came back into the lineup and was placed on that third line with Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp. And of course, you know, the narrative before he got hurt and for quite some time was he's not logging enough minutes. He's not getting, you know, enough power play time. Again, you know, I don't, I think there's certainly um, some validity to all those arguments and, and, you know, it was a bit of a, you know, a head scratcher um, that he wasn't logging more minutes or, and again, you know, that time on the power play. Uh, But I think it makes the most sense. I mean, he's, he's, he's now back. He's probably a lot more comfortable with his game, you know, as well as he did play early on, there were still some moments where he was blowing tires. You could tell he was, he was still testing out that knee. I mean, all credit to him. I think he was blowing those tires out because he was going full bore on his knee and not playing cautious. But as soon as you, as soon as Andrew Kopp got injured, taken off that line, it doesn't make nearly as much sense, right? I mean, you could put, you could put uh, Nikolai Ehlers on that line and you could make the argument that, you know, you could shelter his minutes, you could ease him back in. He's got two defensively responsible players. He's a guy that likes to play with the puck. You know, Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry are guys that are both very much capable of dishing the puck. They're not looking for, you know, the shot in, in, in all situations, um, whereas you want Nikolai Ehlers in that position. But as soon as Andrew Kopp went out, it was like, okay, well, you're not playing him with Adam Lowry and, you know, Christian Veselainen. It just doesn't make any sense. So that, that natural progression to a line that, as you mentioned, you know, stole the show. And, I mean, let's be honest here, kind of the future of the Winnipeg Jets in that trio. You know what I mean? With you know, lines with all everything we've been talking about, none of those guys are guys that we pointed to and suggested maybe should be on other teams or, you know, dealt in the next – you know, year or so or whatever. So um, certainly paid off. Not all that surprising. I mean, it was great to see the Jets go back to a three forward system in overtime and, and, and see that pay off for what's been a, you know, a pretty miserable existence for Winnipeg when it comes to extra time. I think, what was that? I think they entered the game three and, you know, three, three and wins and, and three and yeah, three and 10. So three, three victories in 13 games for a team that is as top he- heavy as the Jeff uh, Jets and, and is offensively gifted. Um, it just didn't make any sense, but you know, I think that's, you know, I think they were just waiting for this opportunity as much as, as much as it makes a ton of sense to put him on that top line early on, you know, how many times have we talked in the past before we're having a guy like, you know, Svechnikov on that top line creates an opportunity to have, you know, a solid top nine, um, down the lineup. I mean, you know, you have a guy like Svechnikov on that third line, it's not going to be as good as having a Nikolai Ehlers on that third line. And the difference between Nikolai Ehlers jumping up to that first, I think, is is significant, or at least notable, if you have Benny Svechnikov playing well with those two guys on the top trio. So, anyways, I think this is a great look into the future. The Jets need wins now. I'm not, you know, de- whether you want to classify this desperate time, call for desperate measures, get Nikolai Ehlers up on that line, get him his ice time. He's now back from, you know, he's been back long enough from his knee injury that you can continue to push him. Um, and they're going to need that that line going. They're going to need that line going every single night. So um, if that's the new trio moving forward, which I you know I think you can make the argument it is, it's going to make for some exciting hockey. But at the end of the day, it's getting those two points and getting that line together and rolling will be a big part of uh, this Jets playoff push, if you will. Well, no doubt about that. And um, you know, as I said, you know, even if you're if you're at peace with where the season is at and aren't expecting this team to make a push and actually somehow you know end up in the in the postseason. And you're looking ahead to next year, um, you know. I think you can look at that unit, those three players together, 
and maybe what they were able to do last night is a bit of a glimpse into the future of a, of a unit that could be a very, very effective top line in the National Hockey League. And I know there's been some concern, I think, in the past with playing Ehlers and Kyle Connor together. Um, you know, Connor's defensive, you know, aptitude still sometimes leaves a bit to be desired. Um, but Pierre-Luc Dubois has turned into such an excellent guy in the full 200 feet that maybe he's the guy that could actually play with those two offensive dynamos and give them enough of the defensive foundation from the center ice position that you'd feel confident playing those guys against some of the top matchups that you inevitably would if you're throwing them out as your number one line next season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, before, you know, before we touch on Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's just been a storyline seemingly every week on how he's been playing, you know, to mention, to, to just kind of make, um, to recognize your comment on, on Kyle Connor. I mean, yeah, there's lots to be desired from his defensive game. We all know that but he's taken his offensive game to an, a new level. Like this isn't a guy who's, you know, contributing off of, you know, steady play on a line with Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Scheifele. He's driving this line along with Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's scoring from positions where he's taking over games. He's kind of doing what you hope Mark Scheifele would do on a nightly basis if you're not going to contribute largely to the defensive side of the game. You want him chipping in goals, and that's exactly what – uh, Kyle Connor's doing. Well, I mean, I'll say this, Jeff. I'll say this about Connor too. I mean, listen, the guy's never going to turn into you know an, uh, a defensive a dynamo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. We're not going to be throwing him out for the selkie. But I'll say this: I think he's really worked on it. I think he's better this year than he was last year at it. And I think his addition to the penalty kill unit, which certainly makes it far more dangerous to turn the puck over and go the other way, I think that's also helping him. You know, somewhat defensively. So. I mean, you know, it, it, the bottom line is he seems to be putting in the effort. He seems to care, and he seems to be getting better in that. And they certainly will going to need that going forward. Uh, but again, to have a guy like Dubois playing with those two players, um, you know, I really do think it sets up to be a line that you know you could have confidence to stack up against uh, whoever the coach is throwing over your uh, over the bench um, going into next season. Absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, you know just the last comment on Kyle Connor. I mean. Um, the best defense sometimes is is offense. So if you're playing more 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 of the of the game in the offensive zone, you don't really need to worry about your defensive zone or, or the liability you bring to your team in that zone. But I mean, certainly Kyle Connor's taking his game to the next step. I look at him as a, a 40 goal scorer for sure this season, possibly you know knocking in the door at 50. And once you get to that level at this you know this you know era of the game, I mean it's 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 incredible. So yeah, enough about 81. Moving on to Pierre-Luc Dubois, I, I honestly do think that this guy continues to take, you know, leaps and bounds in his game. You know, he's he's a passionate player. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. He defends his teammates. He's that new look power forward in the NHL. He's a guy that, you know, you look at that trade with Patrick Laine, and I've said on the show before, you know, how tough it is to, to lose a, a guy with a skill talent like Patrick Laine, especially with what he's been able to do this season. Um, you get a guy who is going to be probably the face of your franchise for the foreseeable future, assuming you can you can lock him up to a long-term deal. And I think that's exactly what you want out of him. I mean, he's he's everything that you want in a leader, um, you know, a playmaker. He can set he can set goals up. He can score goals clearly. He, you know, he, he he's not afraid to go into the corners. He's not afraid to to drive the net. Uh, he's not afraid to to be physical, you know, like kind of some similar things to where, you know, Genny Malkin was like in his, you know, in his kind of his, uh, 
prime, you know, a little bit of that snarl, certainly the offensive gifts and, and has a bit, you know, I, I would argue he's got more defensive skills than Evgeny Malkin, but um, at the same time, just having him in that kind of the same conversation is impressive. So, and, and, and I always go back to this. I need to kind of remind myself when I'm doing interviews with him, he's 23 years old. Like he's not old, like he's going to get better. He is still, believe it or not, you know, working on being a pro. That's just what you do at that age and, and the responsibility. And I think, you know, the growth that he went through, I think he needed that season in Winnipeg to kind of, you know, I don't want to, you know, be hyperbolic and suggest it was like a reality check or anything like that. But I think it made him realize, you know, first of all, his size, um, you know, there's few guys out there with the biceps and, and triceps and legs that this guy has. I mean, they're just, there's not a lot of players like him, built like him, literally. So, you know, I think he went through a, a real, you know, maturation, both physically and mentally over the offseason. And you're seeing it pay off this year. And, you know, it's not a great year for the Jets. Clearly, they're going to be scratching and clawing. You know, they're scratching and clawing now. They're going to be scratching and clawing um, by game 80, 81, 82 to figure out where they're going to, you know, if they're going to make that playoff line. But if you're looking back at things that have worked this season, um, you know, among a couple different things, Pierre-Luc Dubois is certainly at or near the top of that list. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's your boy, Bruce. What up, Bruce? Uh, makes a great uh, point. Um, one of those two-on-O's was because of a real strong Connor back check, getting the puck and then turning it over the other way. One more thing on Ehlers, though, in his position right now with the club. And I couldn't help but think this last night after, you know, a really brutal five-on-three power play is that, and I know it's been a conversation we've had for a long time about where Nikolai Ehlers fits in, um, you know, on the man advantage. And they've sort of had that unit that doesn't include Ehlers. And Ehlers, when his unit goes out over the boards, is really, in a lot of ways, the catalyst of that group. But man, I mean, after watching that again last night and then seeing the way he played throughout the rest of the game, I mean, if I'm Dave Lowry and I'm Jamie Compon, I may be going back to the drawing board or seriously considering maybe a personnel shift on that top unit if they're going to continue to rely on it like that to get Nikolai Ehlers out there and more involved. Because, um, you know, you have so few of those opportunities and you need to make the most of them. And listen, the Jets as a power play team, they're mediocre. They're right in the middle of the pack. They're 15th overall. But I certainly think that you can make an argument that if you found a way to get Nikolai Ehlers more involved with more of the best players, that you could take that unit from the middle of the pack to a top 10 team. And that would help you win more games and get more points in the standings. Pretty simple from where I'm looking at it. So I can't agree more. And this certainly isn't a defense. It's just what is explained or why the reason why Nikolai Ehlers isn't on that unit is that he, you know, they have a trigger man in Mark Shifley. They have, you know what I mean? The way they set up in that, uh, in that power play group, you know, if you were to add a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, now you can make the argument you have two weapons on both sides. It's just too many guys who want to shoot the puck. And so you put Nikolai Ehlers on that second unit because, as you mentioned, Haas, it kind of centers around him. He kind of has free reign to shoot whenever he wants. No one was uh, shooting the puck yesterday. That's what was pissing everybody off. Oh, about no, that again. So, that, so, that, so that's my next point is that at the end of the day, at what point do you does it come? Like when you look at the example, I mean, you know, last game, yesterday's game on the five on three was a joke. I forget which game. It was, it was, it was one of those during the four game road trip I was recently on. Maybe it was at home. I forget. I wrote the game where I just, they blow through my mind. The Dallas, yeah, where they didn't even get a shot on the five on three either. And it was like, it was about 28 seconds or whatever. It's just, 
and it's, not, it's kind of inexcusable, right? Like, it, it's just they're not guaranteed goals five on three, but they're about as close as, as they get in this game where you at least get some quality opportunities. And if you're not scoring on a five on three, more often than not, you want it to be because some unbelievable save by the goalie or, you know, a, you know, a, a brain fart where you shoot the puck over the net or you miss wide by, you know, a, a slim margin or you rip it off the post or something to benefit the, you know, the three guys that are, you know, more often than not scrambling to try to stop those those big opportunities. But so I'm with you on that. And I think it's, I think it really has to be a change in philosophy. And I don't know if it's Jamie Compton not wanting to remove, and I'm not trying to pick on Blake Wheeler. He scores points and whatever, but some of some of his setup skills, they're just becoming so predictable. Like some of the, some of these, these moves on the power play are either just, they're getting beat or they look lazy or they just look like, they just look like trash to be quite honest with you. And, and so Adding a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, whether he's not the trigger man or not, I mean, build around him then. Build around somebody different. Build around a, a new trigger guy, a new passing guy, you know, like a new setup guy. Or 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 put Nikolai – like, it's not like Nikolai Ehlers can't pass. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like he, he's a guy who, who can only shoot the puck. I mean, he's dangerous all over the place. I don't know why you wouldn't put your five most dangerous guys there. And when you look at – you know, it's one thing to say, okay, this is clicking, this is working. Um we're not going to make a change, but when you see what the, you know, the power play has been like for the Winnipeg Jets for, you know, whether it be most in, in this recent stretch or pretty much all season long, it really does create the excuse to put 27 there. Obviously, Nikolai Ehlers was hurt. He couldn't play. You know, he couldn't be on that unit, but he's hurt. And there is a chemistry to a certain degree with that original group or a comfort or whatever. But I really think it's a matter of not wanting to ruffle feathers on the guys on the, on the PP one unit. Like, I just think there's a bit of an ego involved and like, you know, whether you play junior hockey or you play, you know, NHL, no one likes to get plucked off that number one unit. It, it, it is a demotion. So maybe there's some maybe there's some fragile feelings involved. But at the end of the day, the execution is just not there. And, and when you're and when your penalty kill is generating, you know, in some cases in a lot in a few different games, better offensive chances than your power play. Yeah, something's got to give. And more importantly, something's got to change. Yeah, uh, and, and and the one just one more thing on Ehlers, um, and you've seen this in the difference between the the two unit and the one unit. Um, you know, Ehlers will get the puck and he'll move it around. I mean, he'll skate, he'll create space. I mean, when the when the top unit has seemed the most stagnant, um, everyone's sort of in the same spot. And as you mentioned, it has just become predictable at times. Um, and you know, easy to defend. I mean, coaches watch a lot of video; they pretty much know what's coming right now. And you know, I would uh, I would love to see them shake that up a little bit and certainly get a little bit more 27 on it. Well, but on that point, on that point, Hush, just one more is that like you make a great point about the movement. Like if you look at some of the best power plays in the NHL, they're moving like, you know, like they get the puck, they pivot, they're on their edges and they know where their lanes are. They know where their options are. But that the little sense of movement in a lot of cases gets the other team moving or they anticipate something or you make quick passes. The thing that the Jets, you know, and I get how frustrating it is for fans because when the power play isn't going, it's more often than not, they're not moving their feet and they're not moving the puck. So it's just, as you mentioned, you can use the word stagnant, slow moving, whatever it is. It just looks uninspired. And I think that maybe is the root of the frustration. But I'm not going to... Give a, I'm not going to uh, lend credence to the shoot crowd on the power play. <laughs> I just that there's one thing that drives me bananas. It's people who yell shoot on the power play when you know I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong, but those guys on the ice understand when the opportunity is going to be there. It might just be a bit more annoying or, or, or slow moving than you like. 
listen, shoot guy was having a coronary yesterday during that five on three watching that power play. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Jeff Hamilton's with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, One of the catalysts to getting Ehlers up on that line was, of course, the uh, two and ten to Evgeny Svechnikov. And then the very unfortunate injury to Andrew Kopp. And, um, you know, the Kopp thing, as we mentioned, and as Blake Wheeler said after the game, you know, your first, you know, thoughts are concerned for your teammate and for the player. And for a guy that's had concussion problems before, I mean, just the way he got railroaded by Sunquist and his reaction afterwards and him throwing the helmet, you sort of felt like, man, he, he realized that something bad had happened. Um First and foremost, you think about the player, but the timing of this is absolutely brutal for Kevin Sheveldayoff as well. As I mean, I think most of us would agree, looking at the Winnipeg Jets and the logical players that potentially could be moved because of contract status, Cop, without a doubt, I think had the most value on the market. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like, a lot of things in that. One, I mean... This is a little off topic, but like, come on, camera angles. You know what I mean? Like, have you found a decent camera angle that even shows it? Like, shows no. the, like, the hit? Like, so I don't think it was inherently dirty. Like, I don't think it was, uh, you know, I, 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 I can't really pinpoint the head contact per se. I'm not saying it wasn't there. I'm not saying, you know, clearly is he was rattled upstairs. So something happened, but you like the camera angles are just garbage. Um, so anyways, moving on from that, I do think that, you know, it, it's a tough look. Um, a tough situation for, for Andrew Kopp, of course. I mean, you can see it kind of in, in his eyes and anyone who's kind of played sports or has under, you know, suffered injuries, concussions kind of knows what that look is. You're, you're like, you know, something ain't right. I mean, there is, of course, uh, you know, I think it's a positive clearly that he was able to skate off the ice on his own. It'd be a whole different story if he was stretchered off or was on the ice for, you know, even longer. And then, you know, wasn't able to, leave on his own help I think that's kind of again it's just a bit better news something's up I mean he, he you know Andrew Kopp suffered a concussion like you mentioned I think he's had four documented concussions in his career one of those was earlier this season he had just gotten back from a concussion um, so you never want to see anyone get a concussion but particularly somebody who has a history of it including this season um, the frustration is a massive hint that something is wrong. I mean, the player knows best. I mean, you know, you, you, Nathan Bolio, when he got hurt, you knew he, you know, he, when he went into the tunnel, you knew something was wrong. Like those little hints are big indicators. And when, when Andrew Cobb grabbed his helmet, was, you know, was able to skate off the ice, but grabbed his helmet and chucked it down, you know, the tunnel he knew something's wrong. He knew something's off, you know, whether it was gathering his, you know, whether he had a hard time gathering his thoughts early on, something, something's got to give. You mentioned Blake Wheeler's comments post game. That's another indication that things aren't great. I mean, if you look at the timing, I heard Remo talk about it off the top of the show about, you know, you don't want to ever get into like the value the jets have, you know, with a guy, I mean, as you, as you mentioned a few times already, you're always looking at the health of the player first. That's of course what we're doing. But as Remo mentioned, this is a business you know, it's a big shot to, you know, the Jets situation in the event that they were looking to trade Andrew Cobb, which I don't think was a guarantee, but certainly, you know, had to be a consideration at the very least. And then you look at Cobb's situation. Look, Cobb's dedicated to Winnipeg this season. You know, I mean, he, you know, he he's had some frustrations with the Jets in the past, whether it was being a healthy scratch in the playoffs years ago or his usage or his negotiation. We all know about, you know, the arbitration process and, and, and the stuff that, you know, that the, the, the tense 
situation that can be for player and, and, and team. Um, but he is a dedicated player. I mean, he, he also knows that the Winnipeg Jets have, have created this opportunity for him, that he's been given opportunity over the last few years to play in every situation, to become a bit more of an offensively known player in the league, right? I mean, he was always known for his defense. My point in saying this is that, you know, the trade deadline, whether Andrew Kopp got dealt or not, the back, the end of the season was always going to be a tryout for him, you know, for, you know, and I think whether it would have been pushing for the Jets for a playoff spot or if he would have been traded to a playoff team, he would have had an important role with whatever club he would go to. And again, even take it away from the Winnipeg side, if he gets traded, well, he's now on a Stanley Cup contender pushing and he's, and not only does he have that tryout for a new contract down the stretch, he's got to try out throughout the playoffs. And th- we all know that guys cash in in big moments, whether it be down the stretch or into the postseason. So, you you know, as much as I imagine Andrew Kopp would have been fine staying in Winnipeg here, I also think there's a part of him that was intrigued about the trade deadline, about going to a different team, about making the money I think he feels he's deserving of and to get that quote-unquote one big contract in your season. I'm not, you know, we don't know what the situation is with Andrew Kopp. We don't, you know, he could be back on the ice you know, in days and ready to go, he could be out longer term. Um, but it's just, it's just a, you know, a tough situation for everybody involved, whether it's, the, you know, whether it's Andrew Kopp individually, the team, you know, Jet, the Jets collectively, whether that be trading for assets in the future at the trade deadline or having a key important player down the stretch to push for that playoff spot that the Jets still haven't, you know, are now seemingly in reach of. Um, but still plenty of work to go. So it's just it's just a tough situation all around. And you know, you feel for you feel for Andrew Kopp as uh, you know, as he's as he's had a good season this year, you know, he's done everything right. It's just been an unfortunate set of circumstances that's landed him in the injury uh, situation now for a second time with the concussion. No, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it, it's devastating to him. And hey, uh, you know what? Let's think positively. I mean, hopefully Dave Lowry steps to the podium tomorrow and say, yeah, he's just day to day or uh, he's passed everything and he's he'll be good to go. Um, but hard not to look at what happened yesterday with just how heavy of a hit that was and cops reaction afterwards leaving and thinking that there might be uh, there might be more to it. Um, let's talk about the goalies because it was interesting. I did the OB pregame, um, yesterday with Kelly and, uh, you know, it didn't take long to get into, um, you know, who should start in the game. Um, the way Eric Comrie's played as of late, you know, the, um, you know, the downer of the loss against the Islanders. And I'll say this, I thought Connor Hellebuck, um, you know, the, the game on Friday was a perfect example of one of those games that, you know, Hellebuck maybe could have been better, but man, he was not getting a lot of help. I mean, when guys are scoring on third chances and fourth chances, um, it's certainly a lot more than the goaltender. Um, but listen, Eric Comrie's been such a great story this year with what was expected of him, which, to be honest, for most people around here was not much, to the way that he's played, the wins that he's put up, and the way that he, especially coming out of Christmas, I mean, the few starts that he's had, the way that he's played, um, I don't think for a second that he would be challenging Connor Hellebuck for any sort of number one role. But when you think about how much Hellebuck has played, I think it's been part of the fact that, you know, they know what they've got in Hellebuck. They didn't have the full confidence of Eric Comrie and they've been in a desperate situation essentially for the last three months. Um, How do you see this going forward? And were you surprised at all that Dave Lowry went with Hellebuck yesterday and, and another very important game considering the way Comrie and Helly played in the, back-to-backs against Jersey in the Isles. 
I'll say this off the top. I'll never be surprised when Connor Hellebuck takes the crease. So that will never be a, you know, it'll never be a, never be a word that describes that. Now I think in this situation, it was unique, unique in the fact that we're not talking about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and putting in the backup over the starter. We're talking about putting it, you know, over a starter who would have been comparable to winning the league MVP uh, in the CFL as, as Connor Halpuck has won the Vesna a couple of years ago. So, you know, I think there was the, this just, I, I think it's surprising that we get to the point where, you know, you are making that debate. You are, you are, you are creating an argument to put in somebody other than, than Connor Halpuck. Now, where I land in this whole debate, you know, certainly not a, a goalie controversy here. I mean, tons of credit to Eric Comrie, right? I mean, not only has he posted good numbers, he's got this team important wins. He's done it um, in the life of a backup goaltender, which more often than not leads to, you know, the second of back-to-back games on the road. Often you're getting into your hotel at about three in the morning. You're pretty much taking over because the, the, the number one kind of goes, ooh, you know, like this is, it's either forced to rest or he's not feeling all that great. So it's, you know, you don't really have a timeline. I think they've been better at letting Eric Comrie know. I think there's been a bit of a schedule here, as you meant. I don't know if you guys have mentioned it, but it certainly is. Um, Eric Comrie talked about, you know, knowing he was going to start a week in advance in some of his previous starts. So there has been a little bit of, you know, there's certainly a plan here in place. Um, but again, like I just, I, I kind of have two two trains of thoughts that somewhat can contradict themselves when you when you talk about this debate on who should be in net. One, clearly Eric Comrie's having a great season. You know, he's, you talk about maturity processes. I think a lot of, you know, and a lot of people are going like, well, you know, and, and, and I, I'll be honest, I was one of those people who doubted Eric Comrie as a number two, not saying that it was impossible that he couldn't do it. We just had never seen it. Like he, he had never carved out a number two role in the NHL. And, and, you know, and, and so you kind of look at it, you go, well, okay, everyone knows how important it is to have a solid backup plan in net. Right. So as, as, as much as, you know, you like Eric Comrie, probably the nicest guy in the entire NHL or maybe even the world um, universe, there's anyone outside of the world here. Cause I don't know if there's many people that are nicer than this guy, but um, you know, like you just didn't, you, you just didn't know what you had in them. And I think you're, you're obviously getting a better idea, but clearly he took this off season extremely seriously and I keep reverting back to a comment that uh, Nate Schmidt made earlier in the season. I forget where we were. I was on the road trip. It was the St. Louis game. That was it, where he, where he played super well um, in that afternoon game at Enterprise Center. And, the, and you know, I, I think Nate Schmidt kept saying, and it was, and, and he nailed it, was that Eric Comrie came into net that game and he was a calming presence. And I don't mean like, you know, I, I don't think he's, you know, spazzing in the dressing room beforehand or, any, you know, sweating buckets or anything as nerve wracking as it is to be a goalie. But he would play very hyper in his crease. He, you would see him sprawling all over the place. His mechanics were there. They were just a little bit like fast forward. You look at that game in St. Louis and he was calm. He was collected. He was, you know, he was he was eyeing up to shots and that naturally creates a calmness in the defense. And that's what Nate Schmidt was saying. And you know, I've heard other people say on this show and you guys say on this show too, they play a certain way in front of Eric Comrie versus Connor Halbach. There's, there's a longer leash. I think players, you know, they, you know, they would love to have Connor Halbach in because of who he is, but I think there's a little bit of a tendency to play looser in front of him. Whereas you're playing a little bit tighter in front of Eric Comrie um, defensively at least. And so when you factor that into his calmness and the way he's, he's kind of elevated his game this year, you know, it's not surprising to see the, to see the results. And so, um, but when you kind of come back to this whole situation about riding Eric Comrie and he has loaded the wins, well, it's a different beast to play every night too. 
You know what I mean? Like, I mean, as much as we are, you know, I, as much as like Eric Carmer is still learning to be a backup, being a starter and playing night in and night out also takes some kind of, you know, evolution uh, process, if you will. And so I'm not saying that he couldn't do, wouldn't do well or that he's, you know, he's got to learn to be a number one goalie that, that success wouldn't come. But I, you know, I think there's a, a couple different factors in here, including that one, as well as Connor Hellebuck. Like, I, look, we all know he's a fierce competitor. I don't think we've really seen the way Connor Hellebuck is behind closed doors on how he handles, like, not being the one. or And maybe that's not a ripple that you want to add to the Winnipeg Jets' problems right now. You know, you don't want to... You know, and again, it's not a matter, you know, I know the argument, the natural argument here is to be like, well, it doesn't matter about a, a single player's feelings that you need to go with what you think is the best, you know, chances to win. Um, and I and I don't disagree with that. I just think the Jets, you know, whether it's Dave Lowry or Wade Flaherty or the coaching staff or the players for that matter, believe that Connor Hellebuck is a winner and that 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 they can win with him in net. So you factor that into play along with the fact that you don't really want to you know, wreck with, uh, you know, Connor Hellebuck's mojo. Um, I think it, I think it's just not obvious, but I think you, what you see with Connor Hellebuck going back to the net against St. Louis isn't all that surprising. Now there's another hiccup in there too, is what if you do go with Eric Comrie and you lose, you know what I mean? Like, so it, you've kind of turned, not turns too harsh, but you've gone against your, you, you know, your number one and you didn't get the two points. And so I think it was a gamble because if Connor Hellebuck loses that game, I think the issues compound, but I think they're way worse if you lose that game with Eric Comrie in that. And I'm not trying to get too psychoanalysis in this, but I do think that, that those things are at play. But I think what, I think what the biggest thing is, is that the, as much as you look at Connor Hellebuck's recent stretch of games with the four or more goals and six straight starts, I don't think there's as much panic in the dressing room as there is outside the dressing room, whether you want to argue there should be or not. No, no, I'm with you. And listen, you nailed a couple great, very salient points on all of that. Um, I'll say two things. Number one, I think a big part of the way that this season has gone with Hellebuck playing as much as he had speaks to that exact thought that, you know, Eric Comrie wasn't proven as a backup. And I think there was some nerves when it came to how much they were going to put on him. And, and I think, honestly, it was up to him to prove in his first few starts that he was up to the challenge or maybe they would go to plan B or figure something else out. So that has worked out great. But to your question about how Hellebuck, have we seen in the past how Hellebuck would handle not being the number one? Well, we have seen it once. And we've seen it in the 2017-18 season when they figured that what they needed to do was go and sign Steve Mason on a two-year deal to come in and and be that guy and push Hellebuck 1A1B. Well, I mean, it was Mason that started at the start of the year. He was the guy that was, I think, anointed coming out of camp as the number one. One of the best signings that Jeff, Jets ever made. Keep saying Jets there, for some reason. There, Jeff there, there's, there's no doubt about it. That season where Connor Hellebuck wasn't the opening day starter, he went 44, 11, and 9 and played 67 games. Mason was relegated to 13 games. Um, you know, he had his greatest season and the best success for the club in that year where there was not just a push, but there was a straight-up challenge, if not saying, hey, we're going with this guy first. Be ready for your opportunity. And he really did rise to that occasion. So 
listen, I'm not suggesting that they have a different the- set of circumstances. I think you could staple Connor Halbuck to the bench. You know what I mean? He wasn't the conversation for the U S American goalie Olympic team. You, you know, he was a guy whose future was Absolutely. in question. And Absolutely. the only reason he really got the opportunity is because Steve Mason showed early and often in that first three games that he got shelled and the rest is kind of history, you know? So but yeah, fascinating. I still consider that one of the best signings by the Winnipeg Jets. It's just an accident one. I, yeah, well, no, I mean, listen, they, uh, they they tried to shore up their goaltending and in a roundabout way, they did exactly that, although maybe not exactly what they thought when they were signing the deal. And of course, they ended up, you know, having to get rid of Mason the next year because they knew they uh, they knew they had their guy. Um, all this being said, I do think that if this was... Earlier in the season, if they had the confidence that they have in Comrie now, if they had it at the beginning of the year, I have a feeling we're looking at a number of fewer starts for Hellebuck, and that might put him in a better position right now. Um, And a lot of things the coaching staff, I think, is learning about their players and about their backup, who has proven a lot of people wrong and ended up being one of the great, great stories so far this season uh, in what's overall been a trying year for the club. Well, I also wonder, too, like, you know, and I, I'm very careful about this, but I've mentioned it a few times. And I don't think it's the only thing, but Connor Hellbuck became a father this year. And it's not about, it's not about like, you know, how, you know, he's obviously got the resources to have the help, but things weigh on you as a dad, you know, things matter differently. And like, maybe there, maybe there's almost too much trust in Connor Hellebuck's Day, if you will. And again, this is pure speculation. I don't have, I'm not in those meeting rooms with Wade Flaherty and the coaching staff and, you know, the conversations that Connor Halbuck has. And I'm, and again, I, you know, it's not about a kid situation. I don't want to be the next guy who gets canceled over, you know, bringing kids into the equation, but he's loaded, you know, he's got a loaded life and maybe there's something that you need to kind of, you know, and no one's saying, you know, splitting the games or, getting significantly lower playing time, but maybe there's just a little bit more of a break. Maybe you're forcing a bit more of a break on him that he would like and going against his opinion a bit more. But I do think you bring up a great point, Huss, in that I still think the trust is being built there with with Eric Comrie. Like, you know, as good as his record suggests, I still think there's an element of trust. And particularly early on in the season, every single game was a tryout for him. Like, you know, he got the contract, which was league minimum. He got the, you know, the appointment as the official number two guy behind, you know, Connor Hellbuck. But we all know how quickly that can change. Goalies can come. I mean, there's Mikhail Burden down with the moose. There's goalies that are constantly being swapped on the waiver wire because of, you know, situations where guys get hurt. You got to bring other guys up and all these situations. There, There is potential throughout the season. It's not a situation that any team wants to be in. You want to have your number two solidified. You want to have trust there. But as we see year in and year out, those situations can get handled in, in various different ways and those spots filled. So Eric Comrie has had to work his ass off from start to finish. He was, he was promised the number two job on day one. He wasn't promised any other day beyond that, that he would be, you know, the num- this, this team's number two goaltender. So I still think there was even in, as you mentioned, if this would have happened earlier in the season, you know, I still don't think you're riding with this guy, even with a couple wins, because you still don't know what you got. Now you're starting to understand what you got in him. And maybe there is an opportunity here for Eric Comrie to steal games. You know, steal I use lightly, but maybe Connor Helbuck isn't feeling as good someday, or isn't feeling great, or whatever. You know, and he can, you know, and he has that trust, or you, or you can tell his mechanics are off in a certain day, and you go to him, you go to Eric Comrie with more trust. But again, I just revert back to my original point right off the right off the top. 
I will I will never be surprised when Connor Hellebuck has, has been in there. I didn't even mention my second point in that, but I said I had two. I think what he's like, I know people aren't going to like this. I do fall into this camp. I think his leash is long enough to get the benefit of the doubt. I think he's, you know, you're not, you're not going to, I'm not arguing that he doesn't need to be better, but I will make the argument at least at this point in this, in, in, in the season, regardless of where the, where the jets are in the standings, that what this guy has done for this organization is create a longer leash than to just cut loose. And oh, now listen, there will be I'm, debate over that, right? I'm with you. And, and, and listen, I've said it a number of times. I mean, you know, you, we can talk about what's happened in the last week or the last couple games. Um, if there's a big game with a lot on the line for the Winnipeg jets, I want to see 37 in the net. I mean, it, it, like I, I'm not even close to thinking like, Oh, I, I just do think that Eric Comrie has earned probably more playing time. And if he was at this point earlier in the season, despite how desperate the, the year has been for the Winnipeg Jets, we might have seen a few more starts for him. And maybe that helps Hellebuck overall. And Nicole Jay made a great point in chat a couple minutes ago as well. The other time we've seen Hellebuck really ch- been challenged was the first week of the 1920 season where he had that ugly start against the Rangers. And then they went with Loren Brassois. And then, uh, and then I think LB got game number three as well, like right out of the gate. So, um, but again, a little different for Paul Maurice with how long he'd been there than, you know, with an interim coach. All that being said, before we go, um, two quickies for you. Let's assume that Cop is out uh, for the next, just for the games this week. Do they just go and put Adam Brooks in there or is it time to... Uh, have David Gustafson not get on that moose plane out to Abbotsford for games Tuesday and Wednesday and not only be on the roster with the Winnipeg Jets, but be playing in the game against Vegas on Tuesday night. Look, if you, if you brought me on to be the Gus bus whisperer, I, you know, I know there's people, I I just, I can't provide any insight. I I don't know. I mean, you asked about Adam Brooks, like would it talk about surprised or shocked? The guy was here for 48 hours. And he was on the top line. So would he would he plug into that third line? Yeah, possibly. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there there is a lot of, you know, there's an argument to be made that he brings an offensive side that, you know, maybe he can chip in offensively. I think David Gustafson needs to be with the team. I think he brings a lot of elements, you know, the penalty killing aspect. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a future player on this team, you'd like to think. I mean, where is he? I mean, I know he had the opportunity, came up, got hurt. Um, you know, some unfortunate situations with injuries that has limited him to limited his opportunity with the big club this year. But I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, especially it, I mean, it really does does depend what you want out of that third line. And, you know, Gustin has a bit more size, obviously. I mean, he he, uh, he he's a checker. He has some offensive upside, too, to a certain degree. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to have him up, but I also know that there's a reason why he is where he is and, and you know, what those reasons are. I don't know. You know, I mean, the reason why Billy Hainala wasn't up with this club is because there was a lack of trust. Is there a lack of trust with David Gustafson? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I think he is a guy that you've kind of given opportunities to other guys and they haven't really done much in that position, whether it be Veselainen. You know, I think Jansen Harkins is another guy, but maybe you like the energy on the fourth line and what he brings there. Um, but yeah, certainly a, a guy like David Gustafson, just what we've seen. And, you know, he's back now and ready to go. Um, why he, at the very least, wouldn't be a consideration. Hey, last one for you. Uh, a week today, we'll be doing an extended show talking trade deadline. Um, we'll find out more about Andrew Kopp's situation and what that may or may not mean for the ability for the Jets to move him and get something back. Of course, there's Paul Stastny. The thing that interests me the most is this glut on the blue line right now. You've got five defensemen, 
uh, with a couple more years of term. We've talked about Vili Hainala. I mean, Sandberg looked great. Johnny Kovacevic is playing well. Declan Chisholm. I mean, there's certainly, I think most people would agree that the argument is there that there needs to be some room for some of these young players to come in, not to mention what it would allow the team to do from a cap perspective is to have a bit of a cheaper blue line. Um, I mean, I do think that at some point before we drop the puck next season, that there will be a move one way or the other with one of those five guys. Uh, where are you on that? Do you think there's any chance of that happening actually at the deadline? Or is that more likely some roster shakeup that has to occur in the offseason? Hmm. So I, I, you know what, like unless the, unless the Jets nosedive, I never believe that they were going to be sellers. I just don't, I, I believe that, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff and this management executive group is going to go down with the ship if they don't make the playoffs, but I don't think they're ready to, to piece out um, pieces of, of their team. Now the blue line, as you mentioned, it's a, it's, it's clearly a, you know, an area of, intrigue at the very least in that you have you know you know let's not let's leave logan stanley out of the equation for now your top four are all locked down right they're all locked down in, in multi-year deals um well, you know top five really i mean like yeah, you know we add sure. in demello along I mean, sorry that's what i mean top five that's what i meant sorry i was leaving the one guy out top five demello included they're all locked in into multi-year deals which is appealing to other teams we all know that you know there's the rental but more often than not if they're going to give up a first round draft pick they prefer a guy with terms some cost certainty someone they can bring along for the ride of that playoff run and then reinvite to the lineup you know um you know come the fall so but i don't know and so to my original point about i just don't believe the jets clearly they're considering it like i mean it would be you know um <laughs> use Sean Reynolds' term, derelict of duty for, uh, for Kevin Shevlin not to at least be considering, you know, all options, whether it be defense or forward. Um, however, I think what is, you know, if a move does get made at the trade deadline, it's not going to be because the Jets are shopping these guys around the league. I think they're going to have to be met with an opportunity from another club who sees, you know, one blue line piece away from making the, you know, going on a serious run or winning the Stanley cup to then offer them something that they can't refuse and force their hand. Um, whether that be the five guys locked up, whether that be a Logan Stan, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's the only way you see a shuffle of the blue line as you see it constructed today at the trade deadline. Now, once you get into the off season into the summer and you start going through your longer term plans, um, then I think everything's on the table. Then I think you are maybe making, you know, maybe you are shopping guys. Maybe you are, you know, letting certain teams know who is available or whatever. I just don't see that process happening right now. I, again, it doesn't, I, I'm not suggesting that something isn't going to be made or something couldn't be made. I just think it's going to be built off what some other team comes calling for rather than what the Jets are, you know, openly saying, this guy's available, this guy's available, this guy's available. Hammer, great stuff as always. This was an awesome conversation. Really appreciate you as always. And uh, we'll look forward to talking about and talking next week. I'm not sure whether it works out that we do it on Monday on trade deadline day. We're going to probably do an extended show that day. It'll be very interesting. I don't know you and a lot of the guys will have a lot to do with your, uh, you know, with Winnipeg Free Press around that time. But we'll certainly, I guarantee the next time we speak on this program, there'll be a lot of interesting things will have happened over the course of the week, both on the ice and off the ice. Uh, thanks as always for the time.
Yeah, thanks guys for having me on. Shout out to the commenters as always. And I'll actually be in Chicago this weekend. So I'll be there in the uh, the days leading up asking the questions and uh, seeing if any, you know, reporting on anything, any news that drops. So it should be an exciting week here. Interesting week. Um, I think the only disappointment will be if nothing happens. Well, folks, uh, make sure you're following on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton and reading all of his work covering the Winnipeg Jets and more at winnipegfreepress.com. Great stuff from Hammer. All right, we've got lots more to get to on this program. Uh, big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Man, I don't know. I guess talking about patio season is a little bit premature, but just seeing the plus temperatures in the weather is making me excited to get back together with friends outdoors into the spring and enjoy the great taste of Little Brown Jug. In the meantime, while we wait for spring to actually spring, um, you can pick up the great taste of the, the 1919 at your favorite bars and restaurants. And of course, all the great Little Brown Jung offerings are there at your local beer store, at the Manitoba Liquor Marts, and at the wonderful brewery and taproom down on William Avenue downtown. And if you would like it delivered, Little Brown Jug delivers Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday citywide. So go to littlebrownjug.ca make your order and uh, just wait for the little brown jug crew to pop by and deliver it to you. Little brown jug again, William Avenue and online at littlebrownjug.ca. Had a chance to pop by a Boston pizza on the weekend, watch some of the games, always a great spot to gather with friends and watch the uh, big game on the big screen with big sound. And of course, get into those gourmet pizzas, amazing Boston's wings and a couple ice cold schooners as well. If you are at home, you can order the great taste of Boston pizza at bostonpizza.com and check out those amazing game day deals. We've got some great involving pizzas, salads, wings. And uh, if you've got a few boys over watching the game together, check out that wing lovers deal. It'll take care of the entire crew. Great stuff from our friends over at Boston Pizza. All right, let's get to our Princess Auto curling report. Lots going on in curling right now. And holy smokes, Brad Gushu, what a legend. Um, I was one that wasn't expecting a lot from Gushu coming into this uh, this this event because of being out in Beijing and the travel and everything that they'd been through. And um, he proved why he is one of the greatest curlers in the history of the sport on the weekend, not only winning another briar, but doing it with only three players as Mark Nichols was in the in the hotel quarantining after testing positive um an all-time game last night beating kevin cooey in an extra end big shout out to brad gushu the 2022 briar champion of course carrie anderson is getting ready to head to the worlds that starts later on this week we'll be all over that here on our princess auto curling reports as well and of course a big thanks to princess auto where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at princess auto Princess Auto with two locations here in Winnipeg. You can uh, pop in in person or you can shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Um, and one other curling note. And again, tough end to the uh, the week for Mike McEwen. Um, they lost in that tiebreaker. Jason Gunlickson, also a Manitoba, got to the playoffs but was bounced early. And the other thing um, that was big news involving a McEwen, not Mike McEwen, but his wife, Don McEwen, who announced her retirement today 
from the incredible legendary Jen Jones rink. So a big congratulations to Dawn on her career and how her and her teammates inspired so many in curling. All right, let's get Remus back in here because holy smokes, Remo, we have got a lot of things to talk about. Tom Brady, we're still following the players. I'll give you a final score update as we get closer to the top of the hour. Uh, but uh, great stuff with Jeff and a whole lot of Jet stuff to get to coming out of this weekend. Yeah, you know, when the Jets play two games and we come here on uh, on Monday, there is a lot to get to, a lot to get to. And we did have even more Jets news. I wasn't sure if you saw the messages that I wrote. Um, the Jets just sent an email out uh, just now to season ticket holders with an update on how they're going to be doing things. Do you want me to? Do you, I do you have the email there? I'm not sure if you're. I, checking I sure it. do. I sure do. Um, you know, we won't go through the thing, but I mean, basically, it's a it's a letter from uh, Winnipeg Jets chairman Mark Chipman. Um, who, um, you know, is first of all thanking people for their support of the Winnipeg Jets over 11 years, uh, mentioning some of the things that they've achieved, you know, as far as the, uh, you know, growth of the team, the organization, um, the improvements to the rink, um, as well as what they've been able to do in the community. Um, but this is quite clear, and I think I probably know this as well as anyone, um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, and we've been talking about it, are going to have a real challenge when it comes to um you know when it comes to the business side of things i mean incredibly trying times for society overall um you know you're coming out of a pandemic uh, many people's financial situation has changed and then of course you've got the whole business about you know masks and vaccination and all of that um but as i said i mean there was a market correction coming i believe a couple of years ago i think it's really showing itself now with a few more empty seats um, so they're introducing an updated season ticket membership program for the upcoming season. Here's just a few of the notes. Uh, an end to multi-year seat holder agreements. Keep the seats you love close to other friends and fans that you've made over the years with the option of re renewing your tickets on a yearly basis. Uh, that's a nice change, I imagine, for some people who didn't know whether they wanted to commit to the two, three years or five years. Totally understood why they did that at the beginning of the season. It seems like for the most part, people were more than happy to do that. Uh, but as someone that sold season tickets for so long, um, I think, you know, if you're if you're planning going out and selling seats for the upcoming season, it's nice to be able to focus on that season without having people to think about committing for multiple years. Um, the other, and this is for people that have season tickets right now, including my yours truly, the return of your seat holder deposit. We feel your passion and know you're committed to being a Jets fan. Your seat deposit will be returned and you'll have the option of applying it to your 22-23 season tickets. Uh, some enhanced benefits. I think this is something that was very important for the team to, to put in. Uh, being a part of the season ticket membership program comes with more than just experiencing the incredible on ice product. Members will enjoy, ex enjoy exclusive benefits, including first rights to playoff tickets, discounts on food and beverage and jet skier merchandise, limited edition gifts, VIP event invitations, and access to exclusive contests and experiences with team and players, which we anticipate will increase as restrictions continue to loosen and more. And this is an interesting one. The formation of the Winnipeg Jets Membership Advisory Council. Uh, the season we consulted with you, our most valuable fan, on some of the important decisions our club has faced in recent years. We want to ensure that we continue to make decisions that align with your expectations as a valued season ticket member. In the coming weeks, we'll be announcing details on how you can be more directly involved with decision-making 
with the formation of a new Jets membership advisory council. So uh, tomorrow, there's more information on the season ticket membership transition. A uh, sincere thank you from Mark. And uh, looking ahead, this is just the last bit of it. Uh, the long-term success of the Jets Hockey Club will continue to be linked to the strength of our season ticket membership base, who collectively serve as the foundation of our team. We are truly fooled by your passion on and off the ice, and you please know you are valued and that True North Sports and Entertainment is committed to improving the value proposition as well as producing a team that is consistently competing for an NHL playoff berth and the ultimate goal of winning a Stanley Cup. Together, we are True North. Um, this is a great email, I think, for fans. I mean, I think certainly people that have been, um, you know, supporting the club for the last 11 years will be, um, you know, positively reacting to all of this. Um, but there's a lot of work to be done, Reem. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. There's been some empty seats, and it's not just here in Winnipeg. Make no mistake about it. But I think the stresses on the organization here because of the size of the market maybe are felt greater than beforehand. And I had mentioned to you, I mean, they, I think they've been realizing that they had to do something. They had to make season ticket holders feel that they were valued. They had to make a reason why, um, you know, because in the first little while, I mean, you had to have seasons to get tickets. That was great. Well, as that gets chipped away, um, you're realizing that you can get tickets. Otherwise, there needs to be some good reasons to support. And to be honest, the biggest thing that they did this year was that season ticket holder discount card for food and beverage. And, uh, you know, it includes, you know, soft drinks, popcorns and beer. And, you know, the, the significance is sa it, it, the savings are significant, Reem. I mean, it's 45 bucks for four beers if you're just going there. I believe they're 11 and a quarter each. Um, the 25% discount takes those down to 34 if you're getting around for some friends. So, I mean, the savings, I think people have felt, I know that was very positive. I can tell you personally, I mean, knowing that, you know, you're getting that sort of a benefit, you know, makes a difference to a lot of people. Uh, but I think that is just the start. And it's very clear that throughout this year, they've been spending a lot of time strategizing about a plan to um, diminish the loss of season tickets and hopefully get uh, a new group of people coming on board as people that will support the team throughout the season. Yeah, I I agree. And I think I agree with you. This has been a long time coming. I think people, you know, here have just been getting the tickets and maybe not other benefits. Um, you know, the, as you said, the discount card, I think, is a bonus. I'm curious to see what uh, enhanced benefits they're going to offer uh, and the what the Jets membership advisory council. So I think that this is a step in the right direction. And I think uh, I'm curious to seeing, you know, what how this uh, turns out. And maybe when, you know, it'll try to get some new people who are interested. Hey, you know what? Getting season tickets, uh, you get some other benefits as well. Um, and it's funny, I asked a season ticket holder about the deposit, sorry, if he remembered what it was, and he, he did not. So uh, do you remember what your deposit was that you'll be getting back? Because it would have no. been, like, been like 10 years ago that you gave it to them. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I think back. it was, like, I don't know, maybe it was 500 bucks or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't like 25% of your entire seats or something mm -hmm. like that. But, um, you know, essentially, like these are things that I think that they're going to be doing. And that Leslie Michnock, Huss, if you don't drink beer, then the concession discounts don't really amount to much. Hey, listen, from this season, I mean, listen, sometimes I don't drink beer every single game, but I did go and get a large drink and a popcorn, which I think would have been normally about $13 or something like that. And it ended up being less than 10 so, I mean, those are just the little things. Like, I, listen, I, I really do think that, I think they lost sight of 
And maybe it's just because, I mean, many of the people that, you know, were working there at the start of the Jets being, you know, the Jets, like as in 11 years ago, you're dealing with this massive demand. And I mean, you didn't really have to work at all on selling the seats. And, you know, you get people, I mean, the guy that's the president that makes a lot of these decisions is a former accountant. And listen, we need accountants for a lot of things. But sometimes I think, you know, you sort of lose sight of some of the things that you also need to do to, um, you know, to engage and make sure that your customers are feeling appreciated. And that's fine if you got 5,000 people lined up to pick up seats that are getting dropped, but that's not the case anymore. And I think we're coming back more to the reality here of Winnipeg where, um, you know, the team's going to have to, you know, work hard to, you know, sell those season tickets. And you're definitely going to have to work hard and make sure that people know that it's worth it to do that, that the, there's a value in being a season ticket holder in addition to being incredibly important to icing a competitive product. So we'll let you know more about those details that come out tomorrow. If you are a season ticket holder, you can check your email and I'm sure that will be there. And um, it'll be a topic that we'll certainly continue to touch on here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily because I think most of us agree that, um, you know, listen, if people aren't buying tickets, what's the future for the team? Um, it's not great. And, you know, at a certain point, I mean, you got to pay the bills I and mean, you have to be able to be, and then you want to be competitive too. You don't just want to be there. So um, anyways, I applaud them for doing this. I think it's a little bit long overdue. That being said, better now than uh, better now than later. And um, there's a lot of work to do going forward into this, uh, into this next season, especially with the challenges of a season on the ice that has been a little more disappointing than I think many people were expecting when we dropped the puck at the beginning of the season. All right, Remo, I know we've talked Jets topics for pretty much the entire, entire show. We did mention the great action out at the Briar. Um, and we talked about the uh, the signing with, um, we talked about the signing of uh, Sergio Castillo with the Elks. Quick update from the Players' Championship. And this event was completely um, demolished by the weather. And, you know, guys that were on the wrong side of the draw, like Brooks Kepka and Morikawa, you know, not around on the weekend. But what a crazy finish we are looking forward to. There is a five-way tie right now at nine under par. Victor Hovland, who aced a hole earlier today uh, in his earlier round, is now at nine under par. He's playing the 15th hole right now. Cam Smith had got it up to, I believe, 11 under par. He's come back. He's at nine under Adam Hadwin is in the mix right now. He's at eight under par. You've got Paul Casey, Keegan Bradley, and Adrian Lahiri all right there at nine under par right now. So it is going to be an absolutely insane finish to the event. And Adam Hadwin, oh, Hadwin just dropped one on 17, unfortunately. So he's now two shots back. Um, but man, a lot of money on the line for Adam Hadwin. He's had quite the round. Uh, he was two under on his front nine, and now he has four birdies on the back, but he is finishing on the front, so he's playing eight and nine right now. Um, maybe we'll see. He does have a, it looks like, oh, no, he's got a par putt on eight, uh, but part the ninth's of uh, uh, par five, so who knows? Maybe he can get it done. Bottom line, going to be an amazing finish to this player's championship, even if some of the usual suspects aren't in around the um, the uh, the top of the leaderboard up uh, Remo my god was there a lot of football news and you know it was just so funny 
you know, the, you know, March Madness, you've got 68 schools of kids talking about getting into the tournament. There's all this hype about Selection Sunday, and they're basically just unleashing the brackets. And then Tom Brady announces that his 40-day retirement is over. He's coming back to the NFL, and everyone completely forgot about March Madness. How about that? You know, it's funny. You get a three-week vacation, and then you come back and hang around and take the kids to school a few times and realize you don't have anything to do and realize, uh, actually, I think I should be back playing. And it sounds like that's what happened with Brady. Yeah, I mean, he was so good last year. It was so odd to see him walk away, even though he's in his mid-40s. He was one of these... Maybe that you could argue, make an argument. He's the top quarterback in the league, and they had a good team. You know, that fell short at the end. So you were kind of surprised, but you know, you kind of want to get out while your body is still, you know, don't have any major injuries and you're still capable. But I guess he was at home, and you know, some additional time had passed, and he's like, you know what, I do want to get ready. And I think after the season, maybe you you don't want to do it again, but you give it some time. How long was he retired? Like a month? Two months? 40 days. 40 days. 40 days. So 40 days later, he's like, you know what? I'm ready to do this again. And obviously talked it over with his family and he's good to go. So, I mean, I was pretty fired up. I texted you. I was so proud to be the one to text you. Brady's coming back because I know how much of a big Tom Brady fan you are. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm yeah. happy that this is happening for a couple reasons. Number one, to your point, he was awesome last year. Um, the game is better with Tom Brady in it. And even individuals like myself that have felt like we've been cursed by the existence of Tom Brady for the last 20 years with all the victories he's had at the expense of our teams. Um, it's a privilege to watch him play right now. And he played at an MVP level last year for the most part. So it's great to have him back. The NFL's better off with Tom Brady in it. And personally, I hope he gets to the Super Bowl next year so my guy Mahomes can get there and finally stick a stake through the vampire and uh, and maybe end it that way. Somewhat tongue-in-cheek right now, but uh, hey, you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Tom Brady is and probably always will be the man, um, so it's great news. And I'll tell you what, he did his team a favor by figuring this out and announcing it before today. Because I have a feeling that many potential buck free agents are thinking differently about leaving Tampa with Tom Brady back than without Tom Brady coming board, coming forward. And, and Remo, there's a whole bunch of other things that have happened to just today. Mitch Trubisky is going to the Steelers. Listen, Mike Tomlin, if Mike Tomlin can get a winning record this year for the 16th straight season with a quarterback stable, of Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and Dwayne Haskins give him the Coach of the Year award at, immediately at that point because um, this is a huge drop-off from even an oft-injured Ben Roethlisberger last year. And I got to tell you, there's a Hall of Fame for pro football. If there's a pro football business Hall of Fame, Kirk Cousins is a first-ballot Hall of Famer because he already had one of the juiciest deals compared to production in the league. He just got a one-year extension for the 2023 season at $35 million a season. Vike fans, let us know what you feel about that in the chat. But, um, man, it's, uh, it's a good spot to be a quarterback right now in the world of the National Football League. Yeah, a couple other um, contracts here coming up. Uh, Chase Edmonds signed with Miami. 
James Conner back with Arizona. This is the one everyone's scratching their heads at on Twitter. Christian Kirk signed with the Jaguars, reported four-year deal worth up to $84 million, and make him the third highest paid receiver in the league, wow. which seems um, kind of crazy. So. That's what you got to pay a guy to go to Jacksonville. Um, although, you know, Herb's out. They got Doug Peterson in. I think Trevor Lawrence will have a much better sophomore season than he did a rookie season, considering what they're dealing mm. with. Um, and you know what? When you've been one of the joke franchises in the league for a long time and you want to get a guy that's in demand, you got to overpay. It sounds like what the Jags did, but man, they have no shortage of cap space. I mean, they don't have a lot of great players. They could move on from a lot of guys. So it'll be a nice addition for Trevor Lawrence as they uh, as they uh, improve. Of course, on the weekend, uh, we did see Amari Cooper traded to the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then I just see, and you had this on the list, uh, Jarvis Landry has yeah. been released by the Browns. The, uh, the old LSU teammates, Landry and o Odell Beckham Jr., both gone from the dog pound. Yeah, seeing that. Uh, sorry, Kirk, uh, what is that, ninth paid, ninth highest wide receiver uh, on, among, in the NFL. So uh, lots going on. I'm trying. There is some baseball stuff as well. Don't want to get off, off the football yet but uh nfl free agency you know a lot of moves i will, I will say the baseball here uh the braves what freddie freeman was the big free agent they couldn't come to terms with him they traded uh acquired matt olson i think for a package of prospects uh from the a's all-star first baseman fernando tatis jr announced he had a broken wrist i guess you know with the lockout they didn't have to report it so he's out for for a couple months and you have down here uh Josh Donaldson uh, traded to the Yankees. Yeah, well, that was the big deal last night. Um, you know, with spring training officially, and we will talk Jays a little later on this week at some point. Uh, but, you know, sort of a deal out of the blue last night with Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falfa uh, going to the Bronx for Gary Sanchez and shortstop Gio Urshela, who had literally 24 hours ago been named the Yankees starting shortstop for the season. So uh, the bringer of rain is back in the AL East to go against his old teammates, Reeve. Yeah, and I think he's still a pretty solid uh, hitter. You know, he sometimes struggles with health, but um, the Yankees making a go. So baseball's back, NFL, free agency underway. Uh, there is a lot, you know, March Madness. This is a busy, uh, busy time of year here. No doubt about it. Okay, listen, we do have a couple things to get to. We're just about at the top of the hour. Um, let me quickly give a shout out to our friends, the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Had a couple very happy winners of those ice cream cakes we did last week for the anniversary uh, week. And of course, Nick and Nikki, they're there for you seven days a week with those amazing new stack burgers at DQ that everyone's talking about. And of course, the great taste of all their ice cream treats, but especially the flagship blizzard. Make sure you try that red velvet cheesecake blizzard if you get the opportunity right now. You can visit Nick and Nikki and their DQs at one of four locations, the DQ out in Niverville, very fast growing community just south of the city, as well as the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And as well, if you're in the St. Vital area, you can order from DQ St. Anne's on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats and hit up, up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you want to uh, talk to them about a custom DQ cake that you can get made up and picked up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Our friends at Canadian Club are very excited about the launch later on this month of the Ready to Drink Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. 
It's going to be available in cans, in six packs, and you'll be able to get that at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart store as well. Right now, there is sales on Canadian Club Original and Canadian Club 12-year at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And next month, if you buy Canadian Club, you get a free can of the CC and Ginger to try for the first time. More on Canadian Club, Canada's favorite, pop by your local Manitoba Liquor March location. All right. Um, it's pouring right now at the players. Um, Cam Smith and Keegan Bradley are now at 10 under. Paul Casey and Adam Lahiri are at 9 under. And then as we mentioned, our, our pal Adam Hadwin just dropped off a little bit. Uh, but it's going to get right down to the nitty-gritty. And now they're waiting for this storm to pass through. I can't imagine another weather delay. I don't think there's been a Tuesday finish at this event maybe ever. Uh, but it looks like they're continuing to play. Paul Casey and Lahiri, nine under right now. And Victor Hovland gave one back on 15. He's going to need to get a couple more birdies before he uh, finishes it up. But Cam Smith and Keegan Bradley right now, one shot lead at the players. Let's get over to Coolbet and check the Coolbet lines for today. Uh, just one game in the National Hockey League tonight. And oh, is it a barn burner, Reem? Who's making Coyote? this schedule? What is this? <laughs> Coyotes at Sens. That's that's tonight's game. And Fun I imagine because isn't isn't this the hometown hockey night? Like, is that going to be a nationally televised game? There's seriously like one game in the NHL. Who is making the schedule? Yeah, and it's, it's Arizona, Ottawa. This is baffling. Is quite interesting. Anyways, Ottawa is a, a minus 154 favorite. Coyotes plus 131 on the money line, but it's a great day to check out the, uh, the uh, league bets for the season. Um, the Stanley cup odds have been pretty stagnant over the last little while. Abs four to one lightning and Panthers eight to one Leafs nine to one flames 10 to one. I don't know how the Vegas golden Knights are still 11 to one. Has anyone watched them play lately? Uh, that's strange. Carolina's 11 to one as well. And you got to go way, way down for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, 100 to 1. Um, but oh. even that probably isn't great value considering how difficult it's going to be to make the playoffs. Uh, Hart Trophy, Matthews is the favorite, plus 130. We'll get to Matthews in just a second. Ilya Shesterkin, 2 to 1. McDavid, plus 250. Ovi, 8 to 1. Dreisaitl and Huberto, 10 to 1. Matthews, the uh, big favorite for the Rocket Richard Trophy, is he's got 40. Five on the season now. And Igor Shesterkin, a huge minus 333 favorite to win the Vesna. Uh, Makar, minus 333 to win the Norris. Next up is Victor Hedman. I still think there might be a little value in Roman Yossi, but at this point, uh, I think people pretty much have their uh, their mind made up. The most interesting battle, though, for Reem, and I'm interested in your thoughts, is the Calder Trophy. My guy Moritz Sider is mm. two to one. Zegras is plus two fifty. Lucas Raymond is plus two seventy. And Michael Bunting, uh, Michael Bunting with the Leafs is five to one. Anton Lundell eight to one. To me, Sider should absolutely win this award. I mean, he has been just phenomenal. Got a good chance to see a lot of him in that Calgary game on Saturday night. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether he and his teammate Lucas Raymond might split some of the vote, and Zegras might win, but. I got to tell you, Morris Sider, if you haven't heard him or seen this guy play, you're going to be hearing a lot of him over the course of the next dozen years in the National Hockey League. He yeah. is a stud on the blue line. Yeah, I agree with you. He has 20 years old, former six overall pick in 2019 by the Red Wings, playing you know top top pair D with them. 
I think he also gets the bump us because, you know, we all know it's way harder to play defense as a 20-year-old in the NHL than play forward. So I think he gets he gets the bump. Uh, Michael Bunting, I think he's having a great season. Maybe people will look down on him because he's he's older, but I'd go with Cider with, uh, as as a pick. I think Zegers, you could argue, for him as well, having a great season. Um, Jeremy Swayman is doing a great job with Boston uh, in net. And Antoine Lundell, he's not playing like a, a big role. He's playing third line, but he's been very solid contributor to the Panthers. So uh, some great rookies here uh, this year as well. You got it. Um, one other thing that we will get to, we'll speak about it more tomorrow, but March Madness is set. As I mentioned, Tom Brady sucked all the air out of their big announcement yesterday by deciding that he was going to come back during the selection show. Uh, but Gonzaga is the favorite to win it all, plus 350. Kentucky seven to one, Arizona plus seven fifty, Duke twelve to one, Kansas fourteen, Baylor fourteen, Auburn fourteen. I don't know anything about this. I've watched a total of zero minutes of college basketball, but you're damn right. I'll be both getting in some pools. I'll be making a few wagers on it. So we'll find out a little bit more. I'll do some research tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the Lock Shop as well as on Winnipeg Sports Talking. Uh, by the way, if you haven't already, get on over to CoolBet.com. Use the promo code WST if you've never played there before. Give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. It is that week, room. I know we did it last year, but we need... Uh, can we just uh, re-get our... Uh, bracket back up and going for the uh, Winnipeg Sports yeah. Talk group. We got to do that again for yeah, sure. I, I think I can just activate it right now. Um, let me see. So if you're in the group before, then um, you'll just be in again. But hold on. I got to double check. I'm actually um, moving off ESPN for my fantasy baseball league this year. They've made some changes. so. But well, I think they still have this. I can't find. Oh, men's tournament challenge. Sorry, I'm on it. I'll just reactivate our group. Yeah, so reactivate. We'll have more details tomorrow. And uh, if you weren't in our group before, how you can get into it. But yes, if you're wondering, we will definitely be doing a bracket challenge. We'll get some prizes from our great sponsors and make that happen. And uh, remote, just back to Austin Matthews for a minute. It was the outdoor game. Shout out to the Sabres. Speaking of cool bet, Adam is a plus 255 money line underdog. They got the job done. They won. But the big story coming out of that game, in addition to the amazing, amazing introduction of our Olympic champions, our Canadian women's hockey team, which was really cool with the intermission, uh, was Austin Matthews cross-checking Rasmus Dahlin in the neck. And uh, no superstar treatment here. Two-game suspension today from NHL player safety. I'm really enjoying seeing Leafs fans get mad at player safety, uh, you know, after what we experienced last what year with, with Mark Shifley. Um, I'm kind of surprised it was two games. I mean, did Dahlin have any serious injuries? I know it was a cross-check to the head, which I think shouldn't be allowed, but... I mean, Deline, what, he, just, he was fine, right? So there shouldn't be a suspension then. Isn't that how the NHL goes? They just go by the result? So. Uh, often they do, but in this case, I think with the amount of attention on it, like how, they, they gave coincidental penalties, which was the most absurd thing about it all. I don't know how that was the case. It was right in front of the referee. Um, but listen, the Leafs are frustrated. They have nobody that can stop the puck. Everybody's freaking out right now about uh, Toronto and what they're going to do at the deadline. And before it was about getting, it's kind of funny. The conversation in Toronto has been about adding to the defense and shoring things up in Edmonton. It's been about goaltending all season long. 
Well, now Miko Koskin is sort of playing quite well. They're hanging in. They got a big win over the Lightning on the weekend. And now maybe the Oilers stand pat, and it's the Leafs that have to go and lay out a lot of capital to get a goaltender in. Bottom line is Peter Mrazek ain't getting the job done. Jack Campbell has some question marks and is on the IR right now. So Kyle Dubas will be a someone that we'll be paying close attention to this week. We'll have talk more about this. We'll get some more hockey guests to talk about some scuttlebutt in and around the league. Heading into a week today, Remo, that'll be a big day. We'll do an extended show for Trade Deadline Monday here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I did have a good laugh yesterday. You know, the Maple Leafs, they've struggled in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think they got some goaltending problems. They lost to, who like, Buffalo already once this month. They lost to Montreal. Uh, it's not going, Arizona, they squeaked out a, an over, no, they lost in overtime, sorry. So to have you know, your marquee game, the Heritage Classic yesterday, outdoors in Hamilton, and for the Leafs to drop another one on national TV in front of, I think, just over a million, like 1.5 mil watching, the Buffalo, 5-2. So embarrassing for Toronto. This I'm is... here for it. And you know what? I like, I like the Sabres. I mean, when the Jets left and everyone was, you know, thinking, oh, what team am I going to go for? I always had love for the Buffalo. I feel so bad for the fans and what they've been through over the course of these last, mm. you know, number of years. Team stinks again this year, but you know, beating Jack Eichel the way they did in his return and seeing the way Peyton Krebs looks and Alex Tuck looks and Dylan Cousins and Tage Thompson. I think there's actually some excitement about this team to maybe, dare I say, be competitive in the future. So it was good to see. Yeah. And Tom Brady's trophy case, just back to the suspension for a minute. I uh, was wondering, what did Morrissey get on stall? I, I can't remember off the top. Was that was, a two-gamer? It was one game, but that was in the playoffs. So if you use the formula, there you go. what is that? Actually, is one playoff game equal two? Well, at two. least, maybe three, depending on what the multiplier is at, at the any given time in the NHL player safety wheel of justice. Yeah, so who, yeah, who knows? I don't know about this. Uh, and then I see people posting on Twitter, you know, Jonathan Huberto, Prospect a uh, Kings player in the head. No one even knows because it's the Kings in the West Coast and the time Panthers. and the Panthers. <laughs> but, you know, Austin Matthews does it on national, which I, I'm here for that argument. But uh, I, wonder, I don't know if this will affect his heart trophy, but I am enjoying looking at the Leafs schedule from this month. Buffalo. Greg, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to say this quickly, Greg. I loved Matthews' interview after the game, seeing he's not seen the video yet, but feels if it went on his shoulder and rode up. Awesome attempt to deflect wasn't yeah. me pure accident sorry yeah. back to the leafs yeah so they've lost to buffalo twice this month combined score 10-3 they also lost to vancouver lost to arizona in overtime although i think everyone who's a jets fan will be cheering for toronto tomorrow night when yes. they host the dallas stars that's actually why i was a little bit i was like oh man you know what i know we'll be giving them a hard time but if they just give them a fine i am fine with that yeah <laughs> because you're exactly right the two games that matthews is missing is a game that the jets need them to win that is the game tomorrow against the dallas stars and then uh thursday i believe against the carolina Hurricanes. so um time for the rest of the leafs to step up uh because the dallas stars if you're a jets fan right now when it comes to this playoff push a bunch of other things can happen with the teams in the Pacific, but Winnipeg cannot make the playoffs unless they get to fifth place in the Central Division. Um, you know, being being sick, being eighth in the conference, but if six of the teams are from the Central, it doesn't matter. So, 
you know, as much as we're focusing on Vegas Golden Knights and the Oilers, Dallas is the key. And they are right now three games clear of the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to games played, as well as I believe, what is it, three points in the standings right now, Rio? Yeah, the Jets are three points back, but Dallas has three games in hand. So got to lose some of those games in regulation to allow the team to get a little bit closer. Um, hey, Rio, before we go, one sad bit of news from the world of professional wrestling it sounds like the bad guy scott hall is um about to leave us kevin nash posted his longtime partner and closest friend posting that he will be taken off life support apparently something went awry complications with a hip replacement mm -hmm. and um you know he's been um he's been in critical condition on life support and uh, it sounds like um the passing of a guy we knew was Razor Ramon and then his real name Scott Hall in the NWO certainly one of the most noteworthy wrestlers of the last 20 odd years uh and a sad end for a guy that uh, certainly had some demons out of the ring but was a very popular member of the sports entertainment world for a long time yeah this one hurts i've seen a lot of love for him in chat he had a hip surgery which followed by uh, some complications and he had three heart attacks uh, kevin nash posting on twitter that uh, his life support will be taken off today once his family is in place so uh, we are thinking of scott hall and his family yes absolute legend razor ramon when the wwf uh, and e scott hall you know oozing seen a lot of people throwing toothpicks yeah. in chat Earl james oozing machismo Forever. Uh, those bat. razor those razor ramon vignettes that when he was coming oh. into there for the first time was that unbelievable and if you recall one of the other bizarre things when he and nash left and went to wcw did they not have a fake razor ramon for a while yeah. like a guy that basically dressed up just like him and tried to just continue the gimmick before realizing that it was so absolutely ridiculous that um they just needed to mop all that yeah, they try that out. It was Kane, um, Glenn Jacobs, who played fake Diesel, and another guy was fake Razor Ramon. I think they might have done this um, for league to cover their ass for legal reasons, saying they owned the characters. And I think they were arguing that when they went to WCW, that mm. they were portraying their WWF characters. Um, I think that, but yeah, it, did, it didn't get over. It didn't work, and they scrapped it. Uh, wrapped it pretty quick but yeah both guys legendary performers and i uh, see the see my whole twitter timeline thinking of scott hall today yeah no doubt about it. all right listen we've gone long which is wild but i mean there was just so much to get to mm -hmm. coming out of the weekend uh we can tell you things are getting crazy at the players the weather's ugly right now egan bradley and cameron smith at the top of the leaderboard and i believe smith just birdied to go 11 to get a one-shot lead over keegan bradley right now casey lahiri in the mix and victor hovland uh three shots back he's playing 16 right now uh we'll have another big show tomorrow because of course a huge game for the jets taking on vegas golden knights they can get to within two of vegas and maybe the leafs can do them a favor and uh get a w over the dallas stars um we'll talk about it and we'll maybe see if gary wants to join us tomorrow Find out what's going on with the struggling Vegas Golden Knights who have lost four in a row on this road trip, uh, as well as an update on Andrew Kopp, presumably from head coach Dave Lowry, and much more for game day tomorrow as the Jets take on the 
Vegas Golden Knights. Um, big thanks to Jeff Hamilton for joining us and a great turnout today in the chat. Thanks to all of you for uh, making us a part of your day, podcast listeners and YouTube viewers alike. And again, a huge thanks to our sponsors that make this show happen every day. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. We got to run to get the pods up for people on the drive home. We will see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.